Hello and welcome to a new installment of the Grap Up here as part of linktothecast.com. My name is Mark Robinson and we are here to do a full rundown of what I now believe is an annual uh, recap of the Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, to do this, I have with me returning from last year's success, Brian Rose has returned. Thank you, Brian, for um, coming back and uh, a very happy new year to you. Happy new year to you too. I'm very happy to be back and talking about pro wrestling. There's Wrestle Kingdom to be precise, two of them. Two of them, I know, right? This is this is uncharted territory, um, and it's a, a, it's going to be a bit of a daunting task. But I yeah. feel like after last year's show and the success that that was, I feel we are qualified, and um, I think we've had some sleep now and time to kind of reflect on a, a lot of wrestling over two days. And fuck, I mean, WWE put four shows on in four days, so this really isn't that much after that. No, and then, and then you also have to think about G1 and the World Tag League and all these other tournaments where we've been through a lot of days of uh, pro wrestling. Yeah, I <laughs> the G1s I can just about do, but anyone who suffers through a World Tag League is, is a stronger man than I am. I don't know how they do it, unless they're getting paid you know, for it. You know, honestly, I will be real and say I did not watch a ton of World Tag League this year. I watched the finals. That was all I could say. I, I, did, I did watch the finals. I did watch the finals. That was a good main event. That's that's all about <laughs> that I remember from it. But yeah, good I, main event. I, I suppose we can maybe bring that up when we get to the tag match. But um, yeah, I guess we should just crack straight on. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 from the Tokyo Dome over 1-4 and 1-5 this year. Uh, as mentioned, this is two shows. And... Uh, taking advantage of the fact that it was on a Saturday and a Sunday, and you know, we'll talk of, about a few things with uh, attendance figures and whatnot. But uh, I guess now I can't remember. I didn't go back and listen to, and listen to last year's show because um, I'm. I would have guessed they would have announced this on last year's um, dome. But like, oh, first of all, kind of your overall thoughts about the the idea of having two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, and I guess kind of. When you looked at the cards that they announced, um, do you feel that they took advantage of these two nights? Or, uh, like for me personally, I did feel there was a little bit of a... This is obviously not the, the main events and stuff, but there was a little bit of like those kind of split new beginning shows or whatever, where it's like, okay, here's a couple of eight-man tags, and then the second half of the show is where it gets really good. Well... I think for the first night when I saw those tag team matches, I, I kind of got this vibe of this is like a 
B pay-per-view level kind of quality card. But but then once we got past those, it, it started to feel more like a Wrestle Kingdom show. When you look at the second card, it looks more like a Wrestle Kingdom show. But the first card had the better matches. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I like the idea of Wrestle Kingdom being two days, but I think it, in the end... For New Japan, and this is why they do a lot of new, like two-part, three-part shows, or over a, over a weekend. It for and, and I'm referring to big shows, and that's because of you know that they, they're going to get more money out of it. I, I mean, we I know we're going to talk about attendance figures later, but um, this is the most people that have gone to a January P- Tokyo Dome event in forever. Probably ever, actually, because Tokyo Dome only maybe, like, has 50,000 people overall. Oh, no, they said they had, like, 72,000 people in there, and I believe them. Yeah, yeah, I I totally believe that. So, um, yeah, I I, I, I don't know if it's going to be the right move to do going forward, because, because I just... You know, January 4th, I think there was a lot of buzz for that show. I mean, Twitter was trending, everybody was on, and it felt like a much more bigger deal than January 5th, where, uh, I mean, people were talking about Wrestle Kingdom, and people were excited about the card, and I was excited for the card, but uh, the, the energy was not there compared to January 4th. So, so just in terms of that, I don't know if it's the right move, but business-wise, I, I think it's, I think it is. I think the most interesting thing is that they didn't announce anything for Wrestle Kingdom 15, because I was expect they usually do an announcement, and they didn't do an announcement, and I thought that was very strange. But uh, I think they are still in the process of figuring out what they want to do. To, to me personally, I. I would prefer just one show, but uh, this wasn't like terrible or anything. I thought it was fine, but I, I kind of felt like it was sort of diluted a little bit because the, the last thing I want to see on a big show is more eight-man tags because it, I don't have any problems with them, but I, I mean, it feels like a Road 2 show whenever you put in eight-man matches on a pay-per-view. Yeah, I think the the thing with um, <clears throat> the like the the B type shows uh, pay per views, whether it be like New Beginnings or um, Don Taku, is you'll have those eight man tags or six man tags, and they usually have people that are involved in a singles match the next night. And with those types of shows, uh, you know you're not going to fill two three nights out with uh, killer matches all up and down the card. And in those situations, I'm like. Yeah, it completely makes sense. Hey, have an eight-man tag and have Kenta and Goto square off to hype up. Because that's probably going to be a match that is um, expecting to, to draw to some degree. Because, they, they, you know, whether it be a, um, a Don Taku isn't going to have, uh, you know, a Kado and Naito at the top of the card. So you're going to want to build up a little bit more. But I do feel that with uh, Wrestle Kingdom, you can really go all out for both of these shows and not have to have these... Uh, matches to to spice up other matches for for the next night and I I always thought that when this idea of a a tournament was coming about and 
and you know we'll talk about this later on with the, the title match but uh, I, I always thought that, that the first night was going to be just a full-on uh, tournament because you had the likes of Zack Sabre Jr. mentioning about uh, holding both belts um, or the belts and you know it wasn't just the four people involved tonight so I always felt before the, they announced the card that maybe we'll get like an eight-man tournament or a 16-man tournament on the first night to play over into the second night you know deadly games um, but that yeah. obviously wasn't the case in the end no. Um, so, you know, I don't think we'll talk too much about the the build up for everything because we'll we'll get into that with each match. Um, but I guess the one thing I will talk about is the the main event and the double dash for the gold. Um, overall, like, so when this was announced at the end of the last pay per view that I, I can't remember, and they had uh, they had Jay Wyatt, Naito. Okada and um, uh, Ibushi all out there and they kind of were like, okay, cool, we'll do this tournament thing uh, that was met with just complete silence. Uh, you know, this whole thing didn't really get off to a hot start and by the time we got to one four and one five, I still don't think it was completely cemented as the thing that people wanted. Um, but, you know, excluding what happens on one four and one five, you know, how do you think the, the build-up to the the tournament, the mini tournament, uh, was. I think people were behind the idea, but the execution for it wasn't that great. Like like you mentioned, there was this one uh, promo at the end of one show where all four were in there, and Okada was like, "Well, do does everybody want this? Well, okay, well we'll do it." And then he just, I mean, it, it didn't seem like any of the four were like really, really passionate about it, especially Okada. And I think that kind of hurt it with the crowd. But I still think people were into the idea of the double titles uh, taking place at, at the end of January 5th. And um, I, I think the overall bill was just kind of there. I forget when they officially... I think it was a, a press conference. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I just didn't feel like super excited about it going in. I, I knew the matches were going to be great, and I, I kind of liked the idea. But um, and and the, all the matches ended up being really good for the most part. I, I uh, think I think part of the problem is that you had so like Okada and Ibushi. Fine, you know that makes sense. Okada's a champ, and Ibushi yes. won the G one. So that that little self contained package there works. But part of the build, and you can't blame the guy. Uh, however uh, worked or not it was. But Okada's like, why the fuck do I want to be in this? Why do I want to be in two matches? Why well, I don't care about the Intercontinental Championship. I'm the heavyweight champ. Why you know, why should I be a part of these two matches? And on the other side of that, you've got Naito, who's only in this because he's getting a rematch for the belt that he lost to Jay Wyatt. And I, and again, we'll, we'll get to it uh, later on, but, you know, we've ended up with Naito as the champ, spoiler alert, but the way that they got there over these two nights, it's just, it's like the least expected, but, you know, expectations and in, in doing a surprise way to get to the journey isn't always the best way. You know, when I thought about Akado and Naito two years ago and Naito lost surprisingly, at no point did I think that the way we'd finally get back to Naito winning at the Dome against Akado would be like him kind of backdooring his way uh, to... to to the title just it was not the way i thought they would go yeah uh, the thing with the way ghetto books is 
every time I think about what they're going to do, they, they don't do it. So I, I, I'm not saying like it's, that's necessarily a bad thing, but I kind of like it when I know where things are going for the most part, I kind of do with new Japan, but, uh, it's, it's not as clear cut to, to me as it is in, in kind of in other promotions that are at least in the past. Um, for this, I, yeah, I, I'm not, I, it was fine the way they did it. I, I think as long as the matches are, are really great, it, uh, everything works out. But I mean, the way, the way Naito kind of just backdoored his way into a title, into this kind of scenario, it's, it's, it wasn't like great, but as long as the matches in the end are really, really great, I'm not like fuming about it or, or thinking about it too much uh, and, and and you know it is true that the, the the getting there is half the story but i i wasn't like really offended by it i it was fine it wasn't great or stupendous but um it, it was perfectly fine i i guess for 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 yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing you could say is a real argument against it from a, a more objective uh, kind of point of view is <clears throat> how they would do at the gate. And I mean, we'll mention it now. They did about over 70,000 over both nights. Yes. Uh, 40,008 the first night, and it was uh, 30,063 on the second night. And and there's been some discourse, and I listened to um, the Voices of Wrestling uh, in some reaction show, and they were talking about that there were, you know, there are positives and negatives to this whole thing. Um, they definitely left the money off the table um, holding off Okada and Naito for a year or whatever the case may be. But they still did 70,000 over two days and 30,063 on the second night is still better than Kingdom 11 and Kingdom 10. So, Oh yeah, those were some dismal figures. Yeah, so you can make arguments for both sides of it. I think that because we've had the consistency of just, hey, guy wins the G1, goes up against the champ, and there hasn't really been any shenanigans with that, um, that it's kind of become the expectation. And yes, you can mix those things up every now and again. Um, but yeah, it's not the way I would have done it, but considering business has not been affected by it and the, the popularity of Naito um, hasn't been affected from where he was two years ago, uh, I think in the end it is a happy ending. But obviously, we will see what happens next. Uh, shall we jump into all of the action? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, so, was you watching the Japanese or the English feed, depending on at what point New Japan well, World was working? Yeah. For night one, I was English all the way, and then night two, everything kind of like fell apart after Liger's retirement match. So I switched to the Japanese feed and. Uh, I was too afraid to refresh or to go anywhere else for the rest of the night, so I just stuck with the Japanese feed. Yeah, I um, I tried. I, I think I ended up missing most of the Junior Tags match. Um, I found a not-so-legal feed that got me back on the English yeah. commentary, and then at some point I jumped back over onto the website and uh, the English feed was working fine. At, what, at one point there was like really weird frame rate issues or something with both feeds, so I had to switch to the not-so legal feed yeah i uh i I, te- I ended up just kind of ignoring the fact that the the feed was running at about 10 frames a second and just accepted it for what it was but yeah clearly definitely some issues on the second night which is 
weird because I would imagine that the, the first night would have been the more active, but, you know, hey, Liger retired, so I'd expect yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's going to go down, that is the time for it to go down. Absolutely. Uh, so Kevin Kelly, uh, Gina Gamino, uh, Chris Charlton, and Rocky Romero on commentary, and uh, I, I think this is a really solid combination of these four in one form or another. And um, yes. you know, I enjoyed Don Callis. He did bring his own kind of style to it, but it was very much like an outsider coming in, um, you know, like a drunk uncle sitting on a chair and just spouting off nonsense. Um, I, yeah, I think this. That- this feels more like a team that knows New Japan. They're all sort of associated with uh, with people within New Japan, so it feels more like a New Japan constant team. And I I don't have anything against Don Callis either, but I mean this feels more. I don't know what the word is, but it, it feels more. Um, it just feels more cohesive. I think. yes, and yes, and I think the cohesive. other thing as well is that. Obviously, Gambino is the has the the hill flavor in this team, but he's nowhere near as intrusive as hill commentators we've seen over the past twenty odd years or so. Um, yeah. You know, he obviously he's part of the Bullet Club and he favors them, but he'll make this isn't Corey Graves yelling at God, me no. about. No, and you know, he you know everything. he'll he'll make exceptions and he'll make excuses for the hill teams for for Bullet Club, but um, it's just you know it's at no point during either of these two nights did I want to strangle someone because of the commentary. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that the uh, the English New Japan team is, is about as strong as an English commentary team as we have in professional wrestling at the moment. Yeah, I can't think of a better one right now. I, even AEW, and I, I like AEW's commentary for the most part. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, like, overall the strongest commentary team, English commentary team. Uh, it probably in any promotion. I, I do think that with AEW, there's still just the occasional, ah, Jim, come on now. Like, yeah. Let's drag yeah. you into 2019. We'll get you there eventually. Um, so to start with, on night one, we had a dark tag team match, and this was dark in every sense of the word, because this fucking thing was not airing anywhere, uh, as we had uh, representatives of stardom with Arisha Hoshiki, Mayu Iwatani, Julia, and Hanakamura. Uh, so this match not taped anywhere. Brian, I wanted to come to you. I don't know what your relationship with Stardom is. If you've watched any of it at all, um, not or, if a you're, ton. or if you're like me, where you just you, you know what it is and you're aware of some of the people and you're aware of some of the people that have come out of the company over the last couple I'm of years. Famili- I'm familiar with some of the names. I've seen Mayu Iwatani before. She's really good. Yep. But uh, I'm not like super familiar with a lot of the roster. No. Um, so. We can't really talk about the match because obviously we haven't seen it. Um, but I guess uh, not to dive too much into it. But what do you think about um, a the fact that Stardom were included um, on this Wrestle Kingdom show? Uh, now you know the, the politics involved with the television company companies means I doubt we're going to see Stardom on any kind of New Japan card. You know, in front of a television or in front of the cameras anytime soon. But, uh, but like, this overall relationship, I don't know how much you've read into it or what your overall thoughts or opinions on it are. I think that it's a good move by New Japan. I think it, for them to bring in stardom and, and to put them kind of... For, for Bushy Road to put this along with New Japan, I think it's a good idea to give a platform to more women's wrestlers, uh, especially as New Japan's moving forward internationally. 
Uh, and it kind of sucks that the, the TV politics are the way it is because I would really like to see more integration, but that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But um, I think the goal is for, for uh, Bushiroad is to raise the profile of stardom and make it clear that they're the, the number one promotion for uh, for women's wrestlers in uh, in the world, I, I think. Uh, I think they're... They, I, I, they would be more popular than like Shimmer and these other promotions that don't that that uh, don't really have. Well, though they have streaming and Stardom does too, but I think in the near future it'll become clear Stardom is probably like the number one promotion for for just exclusively female wrestling in uh, in the future. So I, I'm I, I like the idea of Stardom being associated with New Japan. Um, the politics are going to keep it kind of separate for a while but hopefully they can iron that out and hopefully uh hopefully we get more stardom in the united states and, and just more visible profile it'll be curious to see how um the relationship goes forward as well with you know a bunch of the stardom attractions appearing in aew and how that whole thing plays out although i guess new japan and aew as a whole is an interesting thing thing at the moment that we'll talk about later on so I, I read reports on the match, and uh, apparently there wasn't a, a negative reaction, and there wasn't a positive reaction. Um, so I don't know if that means there was apathy, or it was just a polite respect to let the girls do their thing. Uh, you know, I, I guess we'll just kind of have to see how it is going forward. You know, I can't speak for what type of audience watches New Japan. You know, I know there is a clear like New Japan audience and a clear uh, Dragon Gate audience and no audience. I don't know how that bleeds into stardom. I guess we'll see yeah. going forward. The only interesting thing I saw was that, uh, I, I don't know if you heard from Dave Meltzer about the whole Io Shirai thing um, with stardom. Uh, I, I guess there's kind of like going to be a bidding war. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I had no idea for a start that Io Shirai was uh, engaged to evil. That... I, I didn't know either until like Mauro Ronaldo dropped it yeah. on an NXT, <laughs> like randomly. <laughs> like, okay. That's, that's the kind of thing he'll do. Yeah. So um, I could, you know, definitely see a scenario where she comes back, not based on money, but purely based on on personal reasons. And uh, it's possible. Uh, I, I think that if Stardom were able to get uh, an Io Shirai back, that is that's a massive thing for them. And yeah, that would be a huge thing. You know, and I she's 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 easily the one of the more popular wrestlers in NXT. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, it, yeah. Sorry, no, no, carry on. And. Uh, I think it's going to boil down to is NXT or WWE going to want to up her pay because NXT money is way, way different from main roster money. So if they call her up and they give her like a huge raise, I I mean, it's still very likely she could remain there. But if stardom goes out of their way to, to give her money and WWE isn't wouldn't be interested, but I, I think they would be interested. Because they are fighting a war with AEW, they're fighting a war with with you know everybody, and they have all the money in the world to make sure they win. So um, I could easily see EO staying with WWE and NXT and getting that that uh, bump that puts her away from a lot of the NXT contracted wrestlers. But you know, there's always that possibility that something could happen and she'd go back to stardom. It's either that or we get evil on NXT by uh, July. So, huh. yeah. I, that, I I wonder how that would go. I, 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 evil on NXT, I don't 
I mean, I, with that scythe, I'm sure McMahon would love the character. I don't know what Vince McMahon likes anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, or, yeah, all I would say is, like, if they do the marketing that they plan to do, and um, if they get someone like a Neo Shrive back, you know, if they start putting on, I don't know, three or four big events per year, I could easily see myself signing up for Stardom for, um, for you know, that big show. And there's no way I'm going to be able to watch all of it, because can barely watch all of New Japan, but hey, you got to start somewhere. Um, on to the dark, uh, the pre-show matches, uh, starting off with a dark eight-man tag team match with Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and Tohanare, so basically the LA Dojo boys, uh, against Great Bash Hill of Togi Makabe and Tomaki Honma, uh, Yota Suji, and Yua Yumura. Some of these names. Um, I didn't watch any of the pre-show stuff because uh, I uh, this started at seven o'clock for me, and I'd been traveling the day before, so I was still a little I, bit tired. I, I do have some notes because uh, that that would be Liger's match, right? No, no, no. The 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 two pre-show matches. Oh, okay. I don't think I wrote any notes either for some reason. Uh, all I know is uh, Tohanari won, and uh, that means that Carl Fredericks was on the winning side, which. <laughs> I don't think comes as a surprise because I think that uh, certainly after the World Tag League and uh, considering oh the, they're very high on him, which I, doesn't I, come as a surprise. Very clear, yeah. Uh, all those LA Dojo guys are really good already. Yeah, I I watched uh, a bunch of them. They did the I think it was the War of the Worlds tour um, earlier last year, and I mean New Japan exactly didn't exactly put their uh, front foot forward in terms of the talent they supplied. But the, the the LA Dojo guys, you know, this that was kind of the perfect thing for them to give them just some more exposure and and, and matches in front of different audiences. And yeah, like they're they're very solid. And Fredericks just he has the look, you know, he has the the solids down, but he also just has the look. And uh, I I have no idea whether it's they throw him in excursion in Mexico or what they do with him, or he ends up as fucking. Rev Pro champion at some point, but yeah, I'd expect. I, I saw someone said that he'll be either winning or main eventing uh, Wrestle Kingdom within three years. I don't think it'll quite be that, but I, I do think that he'll definitely be a major player in the future. Yeah, yeah, uh, he he's very talented, and he's he stood out a lot during. Uh, I think it was World Tag League. Who did he team with? He was with uh, Goto. Okay, yeah. So which yeah, that means was it wasn't real... hard for him to stand out. Yeah, uh, we also had. <laughs> We also had the uh, other pre-show match was the dads of Tenkoji, of Tenzan and Kojima, uh, defeating Nakanishi and Nagata. Uh, this went just under six minutes. And again, I didn't watch this, so I can't really say much. But even without watching this, uh, I do know that after the match, uh, Nakanishi was kind of giving his goodbyes and... You know, part of why Liger is retiring now is he wants to go out while on a high note, and I kind of feel like Nakanishi should have done this several years ago. Um, so I don't uh, there, there was like one, like when I first started watching, I remember he was gone a long time due to some sort of injury. I think maybe a spinal injury, and then he, he maybe or a back injury, something like that. And he came back and he was slow as molasses. It was it, not terrible, and they protected him a lot. Especially over these next few years, and you know, in this match, he was, uh, he was there. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, 
I was watching him thinking, and it was during this match, I, I was thinking, you know, now that Liger's retiring, who's going to be next? And to me, it's pretty clear who should retire next. Well, uh, again, um, he he kind of gave his goodbyes here, so uh, I don't know if this is an official send-off or at least like a, a Tokyo Dome send-off. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll hear more at New Year's Dash. I don't know what they do with, with Tenzang going forward. Uh, I think Kojima and Nagata very much... Uh, I, I think Kojima's been doing some of the training with Stardom and, and Nagata, obviously, with the Young Lions, so... Um, you know they'll prop up every now and again and, and it, still serve yeah, a very good purpose. Yeah, their New Japan's talent roster is so big that these three, in, in specifically, I think we'll see them on a few tours, but not a ton. Kind of like this year, we didn't see them a ton this year. Uh, the, a lot of eight-man tags, maybe one or two shows where they were profiled. I think Kojima was gone for a long while with the injury and came back and had a big comeback match, but. Yeah, and he had the, um, the the one singles match with uh, Shingo that was fucking yes. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, they're still great. Kojima and Tenzon and Nagata—they're all still really great. But New Japan's roster is so big. There's only so many spots to like put them in, and New Japan's always been more youth oriented, so they're kind of going to probably be at the sidelines in terms of being like in as like in ring workers. They'll probably do stuff behind the scenes. They'll probably do training, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be as high profile that, as they have been in, in previous years. On to the main portion of the show, and we started with the first of the two Jushin Liger retirement matches as we had a, an eight-man tag match with Sano, Taguchi, Otani, and Takiawa going against Jushin from the Liger. Fujinami, The Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask. Uh, this went just a little under nine minutes. And really, this was just Liger and all of his friends having one last hurrah. Uh, no one embarrassed themselves. No one uh, looked... They, some of them looked old, but none of them you know, wrestled in a way that you felt embarrassed for them. Uh, I thought this was... Yeah, a... everybody looked perfectly fine, and they did their stuff, and they didn't... We're out there welcome. Yeah, this it was, was perfectly fine. This was a perfectly respectable gentleman's three. I'd even go to three and a half just because it's Liger. And <laughs> if anyone deserves those snowflakes. I gave it flakes. three and a quarter. It was, re- it was pretty fun. Uh, I, I think the one person most people were going to be paying attention to was Sano to see if, um, you know, how he'd be able to hang the next night. Because obviously yeah. we've still been seeing Liger all of these years and he can go up against anyone at his pace. Uh, but, you know, everyone was probably wondering what the hell is Sano going to be like against um, Takahashi and, and Ryu Lee. So uh, I thought he looked okay, and, you know, everyone can... He looked he looked okay. You know, got a couple of high uh, spots like, in there. Yeah, he, he did, like, a drop kick and some stuff like that. I mean, not, nothing, like, really special, but I, I, he was perfectly fine. I expect to see him in uh, some sleazy... Japanese indie bookings for the rest of the year. Yes. <laughs> and then we ended with Taguchi pinning Liger, which really shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone. No, once I saw he he lost here to Taguchi, I knew what the finish to the next night was going to be. Yeah, and, you know, a bunch of people have been talking about, oh, you know, Liger should have won, and uh, come on, Liger was never winning, and no, even though it's the feel-good moment, and I get that, maybe in this match, yeah, I can understand it, definitely not the next night. There was no need for Liger to win. Um, either of those matches, and I guess, uh, you know, overall, this kind of, this Liger retirement tour, it really hasn't been 
anything where he's been out there other than the the Suzuki feud, uh, which I thought was excellent. Um, you know, there hasn't been a whole bunch of uh, special single attraction matches with him putting yeah. some of the juniors over or doing any kind of dream matches with Tanahashi or whatever. It's been very low key. I'd imagine very much by design by Liger. Um, yes. You know, what what are your overall thoughts on it? I thought the Suzuki stuff was really cool, and it was really cool to see Kinchin Liger one more time. But I, I think for Liger, what he wanted to do was just go around the world and do final matches here, final matches there, uh, work with a lot of different talent, and then come back here and do the nostalgia-filled uh, final two matches. And, you know, the, I, it wasn't, like, huge or anything, but I it was... Fine, I, I I liked it for the most part. The the only thing I had a problem with with this match is that everybody ended up with music edits, and that's going to be a theme for both shows. And I kind of wish New Japan just dished out the money so I can hear everybody's theme, especially Fujinami. I, I can't believe his music got edited, but I mean, I guess New Japan doesn't own a lot of rights to a lot of the older theme music. I was going to say it was more surprising they didn't have Jericho's song, considering it's Jericho's fucking song. And, no, and, but... and he's had it in the past, right? Yeah, he has. Like, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard Judas um, on New Japan World. I, I recognize that song out of a bunch. Um, I, I made the tweet that even with all of the um, redubs, most of them are still better than you know 90% of the WWE themes and a bunch of the AEW themes we get in these days. Um, I, I like some of the AEW themes, WWE's themes, ever since um, that one group left, CFO or, yeah, or something. Yeah, CFOs. They've been very generic. I, I'm amazed that they managed to make Buddy Murphy's generic dubstep theme be even more generic. Even more generic. That is yeah. a talent. <laughs> that is a talent. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Taguchi wins, and we'll, I guess we'll talk a little bit more. Um, actually, the one thing I was going to say, I, I was uh, listening to... Oh, I think I can't remember if it was uh, the Wrestling Observer show, um, but they mentioned that like of the last couple of singles matches that Liger has... He uh, he has one of them is against Suzuki and then the other one was against Scotty Davis, which happened in Ireland, and and Scotty Davis is very much like an an up and coming uh, junior wrestler. He's like eighteen, nineteen, and he's insanely talented for his age. But it is kind of like, huh? You know, you've got all of these junior heavyweights in 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 New Japan, and obviously Takahashi couldn't happen because of the timing. Uh, and I guess even Dragon Lee probably couldn't have happened because of everything that ha- went down with uh, CMLL and Ring of Honor and all that situation. But they still had the rest of the roster that they could have done bits and pieces with. And, you know, I imagine largely it just does come down to Liger couldn't be bothered to do those singles matches. And I think he's earned the right to not have to do any of those matches. Yeah, yeah I think he just wants something easy and not something that was completely like grandiose i think he just wants something very simple and it worked i think it worked for the most part i mean i i, I wish there's there would have been more singles matches i kind of wish this last match was a singles match but i guess it's not what he wanted so moving on um another eight man tag team match but the first on the main show we had suzuki goon of El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Los Ingobernables, the Japon of Bushi, Evil Sonata, and Shingo. And a couple of... Uh, no, there's not much to talk about with this match, but a couple of uh, key pointers. Uh, one, they came out to Zack Sabre Jr.'s theme, and 
I've noticed a trend, and it's specifically with uh, Suzuki Goon, that whenever they come out, they haven't been coming out to Suzuki's music. They've usually been coming out to either uh, Archie's music or uh, Zack Sabre Jr. So I don't know whether it's just it's a, hey, he's the champion, so he's the one that comes out. You know, that's the music we come out to. Um, and there'd been all the rumblings about uh, some sort of takeover within Suzuki Goon. And we've been hearing the rumblings since, God, the middle of last year about if Minoru Suzuki was on his way out of New Japan. And um, this kind of seemed like the place where maybe they would do something. Definitely by the end of the second night, that wasn't the fucking case. Um, no, not at all. No. Uh, I thought Shingo and Taichi. I am, you know... I. I wasn't like a Taichi hater, but I could really give or take. But that boy, or that man, has done a 180 on me over the last year. Uh, between his G1 appearance um, and just, you know, the the couple of minutes he was in there with Shingo. Taichi is... He... Yeah. Ever since he moved up to heavyweight, he has been like a million times better. Because just... I remember hating him in the junior heavyweight division, oh, especially during the, the J-Cup. That one J-Cup where he did absolutely nothing and just brought the whole show down but once he moved up to heavyweight he's been i'm not, I'm not gonna say he's like excellent but he's been very good especially during uh, his never title runs he just needs people to stiff the fuck out of him i think that's yes you know i mean ishii was a great opponent for him oh absolutely totally um so we ended up with uh, Saber pinning Bushi to get revenge for that very weird uh, pin that Bushi got over Zack Saber Jr. on the lead up to um, to the dome, and uh, not really much else to say about this one. Yeah, it was a good match. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. It's an eight-man tag match at the it's, Tokyo Dome. <laughs> it's the peak of what we were talking about earlier with one of those eight-man tags that appear on on either like the first night of New Beginning or one of those lead-up shows. Um, yeah. Definitely the Road doesn't... 2 show. Yeah, yeah. And I know we've had like Kingdom shows in the past with this kind of stuff, um, but I guess, I don't know. It's it's weird for me at this point to see this, but uh, yeah. the other eight-man tag, which I have even less to say about, was Chaos defeating Bullet Club. Uh, we had Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriyani and Yoshihashi. Uh, on the other side, Bad Luck Farley, Chase Owens, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, I guess the only things of note, it's cool to see Chase Owens on the main card. Uh, I think that's yeah. definitely someone who um, has worked and, and grafted to get you know this spot. Uh, same can't be said for Bad Luck Farley, but there you go. Um, yeah, go to a pin Yujiro with the GTR. That's it. Yeah. That's all um, I got on this one. Ishii did a giant brain buster on Follow Day, like, that and that's did. about it. That he did. <laughs> that's about it. That is this. the only bump Bad Luck Folly will be taking in 2020. I didn't even give this a star rating looking at my notes, so I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything to say about it. I tell you what, if I'd written this down on the notepad, I might have just scrib- made a scribble at about the effort I can put into it. Um, Alright, let's move on to the kind of meat and potatoes of this card. We had the IWGT Tag Team title match, Thin Juice, of David Finlay and Juice Robinson defeating the Gorillas of Destiny in uh, 13-25. And so, Thin Juice, uh, David Juice, Juice Robinson, they won the World Tag League in a very, very good um, finals match against Evil and Sonata. Um, I think it goes without saying that this division needed a bit of freshening up. Uh, as Gorillas of Destiny have been a solid but unspectacular hand for the past 12 months or so. 
Um, I saw them in OTT a few months ago, and I that's the only thing that I remember is that they were there. That's it. Um, yeah, um, I don't. They're not bad, but I mean, they're kind of like the tag team, the heavyweight tag team in New Japan, and they're just kind of there. I, I mean, it, it kind of. I, I'm not gonna like slag on them or anything. They're, they're perfectly fine, but I, I mean, this division isn't great at all, and they kind of. It's it's kind of funny because WWE's tag team divisions, both of them, aren't that great, but they're still better tag teams in there than there are here well i i think the thing with the the wwe uh excluding the nxt division is just they've bought so many tag teams that just yeah. surely by number purely by numbers um they're more interesting uh the, the main issue with the uh new japan tag team scene and this does kind of go for both divisions it's just they just don't have a lot of tag teams and uh, I've I've heard they, the they the, are they are not a tag team promotion. No, no, they, and, they really aren't. And in fairness, you can't exactly go together and say, "Hey, you need to do this. This is affecting your bottom line." Because you know, yeah, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck about tag teams, but it hasn't made a bit of difference uh, overall. So, in that regards, I can't fault the man. But um, I do think the one thing more than anything else that they need to do at the moment is just merge the two tag divisions. And uh, I think it is time, you know, just make it an open weight division and, and be done with it. But we'll see. Um, Juice Robinson's attire. Describe it for me. I really can't. <laughs> I, I remember the second night's outfit more than the first night's. And uh, did he dress up as like a, village people he's, person he's, like in the first night too or did he very much that? got the village people slash current breezango gimmick yeah yeah going on. the fashion police yeah yeah um it's i like mean a weird hybrid of those two things look i mean juice has been pretty bold with his fashion choices over the years yeah. and i will never um i didn't hate it it was just unique <laughs> i i will never critique a man for being bold like that but that that was a choice that was a choice yeah, that he made a choice there you go <laughs> Um. Yeah. This, this was again like a gentleman's three. Um. But I do think, though, it's awesome that we have a new tag a team that are on top. Um. There is just as much of a chance that we end up fucking running with Finn Juice and God for the next six months, and that is just kind of oh, that is very likely repeating the issue that we have at the moment. Um. So yeah, the, I don't think New Trend's going to solve any of their problems with the tag team divisions. The, the one thing I noticed from both of these tournaments that took place in the last few months is that uh, they are relying a lot on Sho and Yo and the Gorillas of Destiny or, and uh, Evil and uh, Sonata because they've won those tournaments for all those tournaments for at least the last three or four years. It's kind of boring, kind of stale. They kind of need to liven up both divisions with more long term, with new babyface teams to run with and they really haven't and i'll get to more about show and yo when we talk about the the junior tag team titles but yeah while yeah. i while i agree with you with all of that um ghetto will just come to you and say well i just did seventy thousand people over two nights in the tokyo yeah. dome so and i'm not gonna argue with him but you are absolutely right uh yeah. iwgp united states heavyweight title texas deathmatch john moxley defeats lance archer in just under 15 minutes uh, so moxley was stripped of the title um after he couldn't make it due to the typhoon issue that was happening a few months ago yeah. 
uh, and per New Japan rules, if you have a scheduled defense and can't make it, you'll be stripped. And uh, yeah, so Lance Archer ended up beating Juice Robinson in a very good match that I remember. And uh, Moxley won the belt back. Fuck knows what the original plans were. I'm not going to stress too much about it. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, both. This was violent. <laughs> yeah, this is just the kind of thing I, I look for. Uh, Moxley... Yeah. My God, you talk about a, a 12-month turnaround, and we'll talk about uh, someone else later on as well. You look at where Moxley was this time last year and where he is now. He was in a gas mask talking about needing virus immunizations or something like that. I have tried to blank and suppress yeah. all of that out of my mind. And he, he, he illustrates, uh, and everything he's, he talked about in those shoot interviews once he, uh, once he got out of WWE, I, I mean... Yeah, I mean they're they're all true <laughs> about the the WWE writing process and getting people over. They cannot get anybody over. Yet Moxley comes out after April and just completely reinvents himself. Does what he wants to do, and he's way more over as John Moxley than he ever was as Dean Ambrose heel. But the thing is, as well, it, it's not just that. There's there's something about just the way he is in the ring um, where he just feels so much more true to himself. Um, part of it is that no one is calling him wacky, which I think is a great yeah. start, but there's just, there's a, there's a physicality and, and a rawness to him that we all knew was there. And we'd seen in um, before he came into the company in, in Dragon Gate USA and CCW and stuff. Very physical, very intense. Yeah. And, and we've just seen that side of him come out and, you know, I, I always, I was always a fan of Moxley slash Dean Ambrose up until, really up until the fucking singles push happened for him. And outside of a couple of matches, it was just clearly just a company that didn't know what the fuck I to thought, do with him. I thought he was fine until he came back from the triceps injury and they turned him heel and that was just an awful, awful heel run. Like, one of the worst. I, I think I'd lost faith just because, um, like, M Moxley or Dean Ambrose in, an, of all places, FCW, the stuff he did there and, the, like, the stuff he was doing Seth Rollins, like, his first promo was just so completely like anything else in FCW because, I mean, <laughs> like, they had no fucking... It was FCW. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so from that and then, you know, the whole way through the first run of The Shield just such an enigmatic presence and yeah. you know there was really a feeling like hey maybe they won't fuck this up and they did um but of course <laughs> anyway this isn't the the moxley podcast um no. this was uh awesome um i very much been enjoying just as an outlier i very much enjoyed the stories of renee uh renee dupree on um sorry renee dupree renee young jesus what am i talking about <laughs> renee young on different people yeah different people very different people uh, renee young on instagram going around tokyo i very much enjoyed that um lance archer in 2019 uh, a complete kind of uh renaissance for his career um you know he was awesome in the g1 very much deserved a chance to run with the us yeah. title even if for a short period of time uh, and you know I'm 31 and I'm a fucking mess half the time, and he's 42, post broken back, and you know oh, like, that bump he took to that finish. That man, man works hard. That man works hard. Yes, um, he absolutely does. I think the two main spots to talk about: one, uh, the use of a plastic bag is not something I've seen before, but you know if you're going to win a match, yeah, it's a way to to knock your opponent out. 
Um, and then just, yeah, the, the Death Rider, the Paradigm Shift uh, through the two tables. Those fucking Japanese tables are, I swear, more dangerous than Funtax. They're brutal. Oh, my God. Because um, he got sliced up somewhere, maybe his, his side or something, because he looked awful after the match. Well, because <laughs> there's blood everywhere. It showed the, the angle. Um, so the, the angle um, was kind of to the side, slightly to Mox's back, I think. Um, live that then they showed a replay which was from the other angle and you could see as archer comes down um he lands but like his kind of front sternum area lands on like the edge of the table as it kind of yeah. pushed up from when the center went down so oh uh, yeah somewhere in there he he must have got caught but that looked nasty um yeah it was nasty but this this was a solid four for me i i you know this uh, is, it wasn't Four and a half. Four and a half. I really like oh, God. it. Yeah. Throwing those snowflakes out. I I know. <laughs> I just like the how intense it was. How how the, all the weapon spots make sense. That there was one point during the match where Arch was doing his uh, foot walk across the top rope, and I don't know if it was like intentional or if it, or if Moxus did a really good job of saving it, but that was a really close spot where he just hammered him with kendo stick shots. I I think that um, was a mistake, but. Due to the yeah. circumstances, I think they just quickly, you know, went into the next thing. Yeah, I yeah, think that's yeah. a Moxley, safe Mox. Moxley, Moxley did a tremendous job saving that. And uh, I, I like the spot where Archer, like, literally chokeslammed a young line into into Moxley. That, that was a really cool spot. Yeah, I completely forgot about that spot as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um... So the, the, the only thing I have to complain about is, is and this is New Japan, this is, like, everywhere. I'm kind of, like, tired of the spot where everybody all of a sudden bunches up together then somebody comes out and does a big spot and everybody gets wiped out well like it's a cool visual but it's done a lot and i'm kind of like over it <laughs> do you know what I, I will i will still take that spot over a canadian destroyer that's that's my one thing i want to see uh, less yeah. in 2020 there, there is too many unless canadian it's, destroyers. unless it's dustin Rhodes, i will allow him yeah i know that was a cool one or ricky Martin, on dynamite obviously. this week <laughs> yeah ricky Morton. yeah he has a great canadian destroyer believe it or not um, but yeah, this is this is cool, and I guess the only other thing is John Moxley. Now he can't wrestle for New Japan in the United States, and obviously New Japan have their U.S. expansion, everything they're doing there. He is their U.S. champion. Now he's, you know, next the next night we'll talk about everything that happened and Suzuki came out. But does at any point. Uh, between now and whenever he loses the belt, does he turn up on AEW with the United States title? I don't think so. I think that relationship isn't great. That, that's just the vibe I'm, I'm getting. I would only say I think... that. I would only say that if there had been nothing mentioned about the the AEW title in the Jericho match. Yeah, I think that was like a deal between Tony Khan and uh, Rocky Romero, though. True, true. I I think they they. They gave the approval on New Japan pushing. You know, if Tanahashi wins, he'll get an AEW title shot. But I don't, I don't know if that means that they're going to be doing a lot of stuff going forward. I, I mean, things can always change. But uh, yeah, I, I think for like the short term, I don't think it's going to happen. And my final question, um, John Moxley, which theme, AEW or New Japan? Mm, I like the New Japan one way better. I can I can think of his New Japan theme. I can't think of the AEW theme, and it's weird because he has like completely different nicknames and stuff in New Japan, and he has completely different stuff in AEW. It's kind of weird. 
the the AEW one is is very kind of upbeat, lively, very much fits the you know American television production style of what a theme would be. Just you know, it starts and off you go. Um, where the New Japan one just is a little bit more slower and methodical, and um, the fucking thing shreds. Uh, I I really like both. I I mentioned that you know most people beg to have one decent theme in their career, and he's currently got two, so good for him. And he's married to Renee Young, so you know he is a winner in life. Oh yeah, his his uh his momentum has changed dramatically in the <laughs> last year. Like, like I think I think that's one of the biggest transformations in a long time. So, up next, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. Hiromu Takahashi defeats Will Ospreay, becomes the new Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, by far, one of the, the most anticipated matches of these two nights. Um, where do we even begin with this? Um, obviously, oh, man. Takahashi returns. <laughs> uh, he does a couple of matches beforehand. I guess that's one thing. Where, where do you stand on the whole um, him wrestling before Tokyo Dome? I thought it was weird, but you know, looking at it, I think it it's kind it's it's fine. I, I mean, he needs to do some stuff. He needs to get out that ring rust before he goes to uh, January fourth, where it's going to be a huge, high profile match. Um, I think it's just a different dynamic here than it would be in in WWE, where he can go to the performance center and work stuff out. And he probably did stuff and, and trained in the dojo before coming back, but. Um, I, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't offended by it. I mean, I, and I think it's all a good story too because I think he lost both of those Tokyo Dome, well, Road to Tokyo Dome matches, and I think it built in well to this match. Yeah, I think one of the the main things as well is, uh, and using WWE as a as a comparison, most of the time, not all the time, I think, but most of the time with New Japan. Everything that happens, certainly every pinfall and every person that takes the pin and, and gets the pin, you know, it all counts for something. And I definitely think that Robbie Eagles getting a pinfall is definitely going to lead to something in, in the near future. And, you know, I, I don't see an issue with uh, Hiromu getting a couple of matches under his belt before the WrestleDome. And, you know, the way that they do these matches, it's the only thing it can do is get me more anticipated for the match and you see it with like the way they do the G1 where they'll have the tag match with the two opponents the night before and it's just there it gets you more anticipated and though I understand obviously this is a man who'd been off for about 18 months um, I still think that the same ruling applies to a degree but you know, I guess we'll start with Takahashi. If we had any concerns about the man uh, and and how he'd perform if he'd wrestle any differently, uh, nope, <laughs> not no. at all. That became clear like the first minute after uh, the Road to Tokyo Dome, the first match, when he was bumping like crazy. Like it was. I mean, this match. I mean, it's it's perfectly clear that the neck injury uh, has not made him change his style he's just as crazy as he was before the neck injury the uh outfits the coats were very much big event spectacular style i thought that ospreys i like the little tiger face on the arm that's pretty cool uh, i still think it's a bit yeah. unfair that he gets to bring a sword to the ring that's a little bit intimidating and then yeah. Taka, Takahashi is just a fucking, he's a, a living peacock. You know, that man just... Yeah, that, that rain jacket is was something else. <laughs> uh, for the match itself, it. for the match itself, like, for me, I've been watching Will Ospreay for about 
seven, eight years. I've seen the man live a whole bunch of times. I saw him when he was uh, about 19, 20, I think. You know, I was there for like the early portion of the progress shows as he was building up towards um, defeating Jimmy Havoc. And he's still at this point, all these years later, after the Ricochet gif, like the way he moves in the ring still blows me away for how easy he makes things look that I just, I couldn't even comprehend, like, the idea of doing. Like, he's top rope 619, which is just a regular transition move. Still, like, yeah. the the athleticism that's involved with that. The springboard uh, over the two ropes to do the, the mushroom stomp onto the back of Takahashi's head. And then, yeah. I guess, the big sequence, which will be the big thing that was gift. So, he goes to do the Sasuke special. Takahashi kind of dodges him, grabs him, goes for German suplex... Osprey backflips out of that, runs towards Takahashi. Taka- Takahashi does a, a belly to belly. Osprey, with very little, you know, error for margin, manages to roll through the the bottom two middle ropes. Then does another Sasuke special and takes out Takahashi. What do you even say? Uh, there are no words. Uh, I mean, well, Osprey is one of the most incredible athletes. No, not just like wrestler, but I mean like pure athleticism i i mean it's like unparalleled it's it's that was genuinely incredible i i had no words for that it's i yeah like right now i don't have any words for it just he's simply i mean just incredible athlete um give me you know some thoughts for what you thought about this match because i could go on for for a while you know, uh, a lot of people said that Okada and Ibushi was the best match of the night, but I think this was. I, I think it just catered more to what I like in professional wrestling, and I like seeing people do insanely crazy stuff, and Will Ospreay and Hiromo Takahashi both do that so well, and they have such an incredible chemistry with one another, and they had like one of the best matches, I, I think, and you know it's tough to say all year because there's going to be probably be better matches because right now we're living in a time where there's just incredible athletes and doing incredible matches and um yeah i i mean will osprey is one of the best wrestlers in the world hiromu takashi has come back and he's one of the best wrestlers in the world and they had a match where you saw two of the best wrestlers in the world have a like 10 star match it was, it was like it, they gave it all out and they were incredible just it was just an awesome match so I, loved it. I i ended up going four and three quarters and i do you know they what i'm not surprised by the, the glowing <laughs> view just given there the the two things for me and you know it who am i to fucking make critiques on some of the things that these two were doing but um there was the drop kick that Osprey did that you know very much missed by uh, by a whisker on Takahashi. Oh um, yeah, that... I think I saw it. Yeah, and, and, and Takahashi sold. You it. know, yeah. part of the whole thing of wrestling is a suspension of disbelief, and I had that split second where I was like, "Oh yeah, this is fake." Um... That was the kind of reminded me of the. Um... Well, Trish Stratus and uh, oh god, Kakita, yeah. kind of, uh, yeah. Where where I think Trish did something, a uh, bulldog off the top rope, and Jackie Kita like kind of like freaking wilded out and fell to the floor dramatically. But it, it wasn't that as bad as that. But no, was, like, actually, the more recent comparison I think of was the the Alistair Black Lars Sullivan uh, 
finish that was going to be the finish where he went for the the black mass and completely missed it and Sullivan went down. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as bad as that because of the angle. It kind of looked like that Osprey may have clicked him on the side, but it, it looked pretty much like he, he, he missed him. Um, so there was that. And for me, the, the bigger issue, and maybe this couldn't have been helped, but you know, at no point in this match that I think there was any other finish than Takahashi winning. Uh, just with the... Yeah. Yeah, I, I just with the return and everything, uh, I, I just... I don't think, and certainly with the the tag match the next night with Liger, I, I just didn't see any other any other outcome than than Takahashi winning. Um, but you know that's not to take anything away from what these two did, um, and that <laughs> that evil blade at the end, uh, like Osprey's hit a couple of those over the past six months or so, or actually even going back to the one he hit on Ibushi last year. Uh, that hidden blade is about as nasty a looking move as you'll see in wrestling. Um, yeah. He didn't hit Stormbreaker, so that was protected. And then Takahashi, Takahashi finished with the Time Bomb 2, which was a move where I could try and describe it, but we'll just say that he dropped Osprey in his head. And I looked at that. Yeah. I looked at that move and I went, well, Liger's not taking that the next night. No, no, he sure as hell isn't. Um, I guess the only thing I'll say is this was the only appearance of, of Will Ospreay over these two nights. What do you think that he does next? I would love for him to move to heavyweight. I think that it's time. Um, I don't know if they will. They might do a rematch. Probably maybe at New Beginning, the, the Osaka Joe Hall show. But um, after that, I think he should move up to heavyweight. I think it's just time. I, I think both he and I think Shingo already has. But both of them needs to be uh, in a heavyweight division and needs to be like, maybe not in the top four, but needs to be pretty close to the top four because I think, I think in the next few years, somebody from that top four is probably going to be pushed down. And it, 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 Osprey and and Chingo are both ready to be there already. So um, yeah, I, I think after this, I, I think. That should be it for Will Ospreay in the junior division. Um, there, there's not much to do. He, he's faced everybody, I think, as far as like top talents, and it's kind of time to move on and move on to bigger. I think part of it opponents. is um, if there was a, a, a mass exodus tomorrow, um, similar to Styles and Nakamura leaving, then there just that leaves that space open for definitely for Shingo and, and Osprey. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting 12 months because it's not just those two. Obviously, you've got the very long story they're playing with uh, Sonata. Um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple of people yeah. in that just blow. And obviously, there's a Bushi as well that we'll, we'll get to. Um, right, so moving on. The first of our double dash semi-final matches, the Intercontinental title match. Tetsuya Naito defeats Jay White, becoming the Intercontinental Champion for the fifth time. Not that anyone was even thinking about that in this match, let's be honest. Um, I have some takes yeah. on this match. This fucking thing bored me to death. This thing did not need to be 33 minutes. Now, I, I'm not one of these people, and I, I've seen a, a critique that some people have. You know, If someone doesn't like the, the New Japan main event style type of match aka they don't like the way that Okada does his type of match, they won't like any of his matches. Uh, I think the one exception would probably be um, the uh, Shibata match, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and maybe even the, the Marafuji match. This was like all of the, the things, the tropes of that type of match, but 
dialed down to like one and with the fact that all of the leg play all of the, the leg work that white did did not play into the finish at all and it was just padding it was padding for time you know this thing needed to be half the time there's just 20 minutes at max uh, and then the other issue as well is that and and there's been back and forth about you know the Jay White match and his style of match with the interference with Gato and I completely understand the idea of like he is the guy that does that type of match in New Japan maybe you could include El Fantasma as well um, and he gets the heat and that's his thing that he does I get that it definitely worked in the G1 finals uh, I, I thought that that actually added to that match I won't take that away from it but just is getting a little bit tiresome for me. I, I don't know if you agree with me at all on that. I kind of don't want to see it in New Japan. Kind of, kind of because I, I see it everywhere else. So now I'm seeing it in New Japan and I'm seeing this happen all the time with Gato and everything. It's just like, yeah, I, I really don't need to see the, the, the crappy finishes here in New Japan. And I understand it's just pretty much exclusive to Jay White at this point. But uh, it doesn't make me looking look forward to any Jay White matches in, in the near future. And actually thinking about it, we had it with uh, Kenta on... Was it his last defense? Or, uh, I can't remember. But... I, think, I think there was a Kenta finish like that. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, Ghetto is influenced by American wrestling. And this yeah. type of thing is... This is American wrestling. <laughs> yeah, this type of thing is going to exist. And, I you know, I get that. But... I don't know. Yeah. He's the heel. He's meant to do that. And yeah, that's not... he, he's a heel and he's meant to do this and that's meant to get heat. And yeah, I understand all of that, but it doesn't make me look forward to any of his matches. Yeah. And I think, I think part of the issue as well is because we know like him as a wrestler, he can do so much more. Uh, and maybe that's part of why it annoys me that he's a heel because as a heel he's like hey I could be a really great wrestler but I'm going to wrestle like this I don't know maybe once he turns babyface he's going to be a great babyface of course absolutely I think that's what everyone says and hopefully he'll shave that fucking thing off his face because hey it's it looked bad at first but I don't like hate it it's it's only <laughs> it's, it's... I, I have it in Sonata's beard it adds to par. his kind of persona um oh yeah speaking of persona no we're not going to go there uh no. <laughs> No comment. Yeah, so uh, we mentioned the attendance. Uh, they announced here 40,008 for uh, night one, which, I mean, you can't really say anything more than this is a resounding success. They didn't announce a super no vacancy because they opened up a couple of seats. Um, but, you know, for all intents and... Uh, outfield, I think. Yeah, but I... For, I don't normally do that. For all intents and purposes, this was uh, a no vacancy. And uh, the only thing that annoyed me about this is I should have been one of these people in attendance, but I didn't go. Maybe next year. Yeah, I'm hoping next year too. Well, I think there's very early plans for me to go next year. Well, hey, I'll make sure I bring a recording device and we can do this live. Awesome. Uh, to finish off the IWGP heavyweight title, Kazuchika Ricarda defeats Kota Ibushi in just under 40 minutes, and I fucking love this match. Oh, this is tremendous. This was, you know, you have a couple of different types of like violent spectacles when you come to wrestling. You have the um, the John Moxley Kenny Omega, where it's like, you know, just hey, 
deathmatch, more or less, just kind of a glorified deathmatch, but, you know, deathmatch in terms of what you'd seen in mainstream wrestling. There was the, the kind of middle ground with the physicality, but some weapon maneuvers and shots uh, that we'd see in the Archer Moxley match. And then there was this where it was just stiff and physical and, you know, just everything that you would get in a, in a modern uh, New Japan match with the strong style, uh, the athleticism, the the grappling and, and the work they did at the start. I just, you know, it it played out a lot of ways in a way that you would see in a Carter match played out. But I think the main story of this match was the uh, the murder death kill of Ibushi, and I think that's going to be something we'll see a lot more of in 2020. Oh yeah, when he makes that face and he starts no selling and he just starts beating the crap out of people. There was a spot in this match where he, uh, Okada was on the floor and Ibushi just started wailing into him, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, Ibushi has this kind of is developing this kind of intensity that. I, I don't think I've seen it in him before, and it's it's really cool. It's 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 like a really intense feeling whenever he starts striking people really hard, and he makes that face, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, both this and and on the second night as well. Uh, I really feel like this is a story they're going to play out with over yeah. the next year, uh, and I'm looking forward to just seeing the ways that Ibushi just fucking kills people. Um. A few notes beforehand, the uh, Akada's jacket, his uh, glow-up jacket, was just a thing of beauty. And Ooh, yeah, that was really cool. He replaced the, the mid-boys, and he didn't bring out the long boys, but he brought out the short boys. Uh, short shorts. The, the, the shortest pair of trunks we've seen on Akada yet. Yeah. Um, doesn't really mean anything other than it's a change of pace, and I still prefer mm. this over the long boys. He likes changing it up a lot. It, they're fine. They're they many... perfectly fine pair of trunks. Kurobushi lands on his head even when trying to perform an offensive maneuver. That was the scariest <laughs> fucking thing in this match. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah, uh, that looked really bad. I- Ibushi over the two nights managed... Well, he definitely took the, the worst bumps. Actually, no. No, tell I the mm, I don't know. Would you put some of these bumps over this or the reverse Poison Rana that Akada took from the top? Oh, right? that one was scary, but I think... Obushi straight up landing on his head was really scary. Yeah, but he's done that a number of times, and I'm not sure if he even, he's even aware of it at this and point. And Okada landed so badly on that Rana. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Then they're both they're both up there. What did you think of the the like? Because we were talking about the the white NATO match there, and that went th- 33 minutes. This went 39, and you know it's the the match that i always kind of bring to mind is really any of the akada omega matches or definitely the first one where that thing went like 48 minutes, minutes something like that yeah. it feels like it went 20 minutes you know where yeah. the the white native match felt like it went for a fucking eternity it went every bit of 30 minutes you know and yet and then this one like it. and then this one just doesn't feel like it went nearly 40 minutes and i don't know how akada does it i he is the greatest professional wrestling liver on earth. I, I, you know, yeah. Osprey was the the wrestler last year. I will not dispute that. But you know, Okada is just. I am very grateful that I am watching a man of his talent in my lifetime do the things that he does. Oh yeah, he's he's one of the best I've seen. And, and you know, it's a lot of people say, well, Kobashi, well, Masawa, and you know, they're awesome. The stuff I've seen from them are, are awesome, but. I live in a time where uh, I started watching 2012 uh, Japanese wrestling, um, and uh, Okada's like the best I've ever seen. 
Uh, he's incredible. I, I think the the comparison to make uh, specifically with with Kabashi and definitely from because I haven't seen all of his stuff, but uh, I actually have yeah. the the DVD collection of his uh, two thousand and three two thousand and four GHC title run. And, the, and that's something I absolutely need to see. Uh, I, I I only did it once uh, when I was about twenty twenty one, and the thing that was of note with that run is with every single match regardless of who he was in there in the ring with because he wasn't you know some of the guys he was in the ring with aren't exactly you know all-timers but there was just that that moment even if it was one move where you had the huh he might he might lose this and i guess you could use rick flair as like the older comparison as well and okada Mm -hmm just has that ability to make you believe that the other guy might win the match even though he is just the most dominant champion of, of you know this millennium by far um yeah maybe cena is the, the the other one you could compare with um but just there there was a moment or two where you know i really thought that you know abushi's gonna win this there's the komayagi um there was just when he flipped the switch i think one of the things that was discussed and I can't remember which match exactly but when someone gets so much offense on the other guy you're just like well obviously the other person's going to win because otherwise that person isn't going to take all of the match and then win and Okada manages just to get that right balance of you know both people get the right amount so right up until the end you just you don't know who is going to win it yeah yeah. yeah, his matches are always like that, and it's always awesome to to witness and to see. And um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best I, I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, Will Osprey's very athletic and very and is extremely good. I, and I think in the next few years, he's gonna pro- he's probably gonna surpass Okada. But uh, for right now, Okada's still like the, the, the guy. He's absolutely the guy, and he's. I mean, he, and he demonstrated here brilliantly that he's one of the best in the world. Uh, so is the best. He is. And I, this was an easy yeah. five stars for me. Uh, just, yes. Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious to see what Meltzer gives this. I, I think he said on, on, a, on a radio they're both at least five. Okay. Well, so. we'll see how much he decides to break his system again. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to night two. Also, the end of night one ended with uh, Naito coming out and we had a pose down between the two of them. And uh, yeah, this led into night two. We had just the one pre-show match. Uh, it was a never open weight six-man tag team title gauntlet match. We've had this. Uh, I want to say the last two years, maybe. Um, this was just you know everyone left that needed to get on the card. So we had Los Ingobernables de Japón defeating Bullet Club, defeating Chaos. And defeating Suzuki Gun. I'm not going to go through everyone because we'll be here till the end of the night. Um, but the key thing is that Los Ingobernables are your new six man tag team champs um, after yeah. Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano held the belts for what seemed like the length of a Jay White match. It, it was almost a year, I think. I think I looked the other day and it was nearly a year because I think they won. Those titles on the New Year Dash show, maybe? I couldn't tell you a single defense they've had since then. Yeah, I, the, these titles are uh, they're rather pointless. I, I don't know why they, they keep them around other than they need something during the Road 2 shows or, you know, whatever. But I, I wrote down some notes. I don't have a lot to say about it, but... Uh, Amuse me. Uh, there, there was one point in the match where I think the 
referee. They brought in uh, an LA Dojo referee. And uh, I think Evil pinned Ishii. I don't know if that was supposed to be the finish, but I think uh, uh, that Evil did a great job because he and uh, Ishii got into a brawl after, and they kind of saved it from completely falling off the rails. And so uh, I guess that might be a match for, for down the road or, or for this tour, next tour. Yeah, I don't have anything else beyond that. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't. It, it was pretty weak. When you compare everything else on, on both of these shows, the only other thing I wrote down is Robbie Eagles is great, and Shingo Takagi is one of the best workers in the world and probably uh, deserves more on a big card like this. Yeah, um, I'm hoping... Uh, it's hard to know like what big matches Ishii could get uh, in Future Kingdoms because he's, what, like 45 now? But definitely... Yeah, uh, he's not moving great. No. Even though he's still like one of the best... Uh, workers in that company he's not moving great no um but definitely shingo hopefully next year we yeah we get something a little bit more substantial for him so we moved on to the main portion of the show we started with the final match in the career of jushin funder liger uh, a man who i first became aware of when i was watching tna in 2005 um you know what to, to me it was the tequila bottle match on nitro that's sad yeah see <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, that was a hey. You know um, what? You got to start somewhere, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah, I do. I. I didn't come to wrestling till the year two thousand, and then it wasn't until about two thousand three, two thousand four, we had the uh, the wrestling channel over here in the UK, and I was open up to, you know, Ring of Honor, TNA, Noah, and everything else, and uh, just yeah, you know, he came out looking like a Power Ranger. He had the, the bitch, <laughs> bitching theme music. I was like, okay, who's yeah. this guy? Mike Tanay was screaming off all of his accolades, and that, that was me doing my research, and here we are, 15 years later or so, watching him retire. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, when, when I, his music came, I'm like, wow, it, it, it hit me, It's this is it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's... I something else. I was very fortunate enough to to meet him. Um, I have a picture that I usually tweet up whenever like it gets mentioned. But I was fortunate enough to meet him in 2013 in New York for WrestleMania weekend, and uh, I think I told the story before. But he, uh, I went up to him and I asked for a picture, and um, whoever was taking the picture, the the back of my case at the the, the time had a picture of my neighbor Totoro on it. And oh. Micah was like, ah, Totoro, you like Totoro? Ah, yes. you're cool, I like you. And uh, I was like, cool. It is a great movie. It is a great movie. Um, but I had the seal of approval from Jushin Liger, so... Awesome. That's, yeah, <laughs> I can die The happy, one man. regret I, I have is that I had the opportunity again. I was there at, uh, when the LA Dojo opened, and uh, it was now a few years ago. And uh, I was there, and I was, like, standing right next to the Liger uh, autograph signing. And I'm like, should I do this? Because to, to me, it was like, well, I'm here as a reporter. I'm reporting on the opening of the New Japan Dojo. I don't want to go over there and be, like, a be like a super fan and just say, oh, it's Liger. And, and get an autograph. And I, and I ended up not doing it, and now I, like, immediately regret it. I immediately regretted it when I got back to the hotel. I'm like, oh, I should have gone up to him and at least said hi or, or something or get get a photo or something and I didn't do it and now I but I mean he'll probably do more autograph signings in the future I don't think this is like it but uh yeah I I, I regret not going up there I, I regret just standing there in the corner and watching everybody else 
Yeah, well, he mentioned that the, there's no intentions to take the mask off, so um, yeah, yeah, I, I imagine he'll be around for signings or whatever, or maybe if we get the return of the Rambo, maybe one day he'll turn up and win that. Sure. Um, this match, so we had uh, Takahashi and Ryu Lee uh, defeating Liger and Sano in just over 12 minutes. I guess the one thing, and again, this is probably down to Liger, but you know, these are Wrestle Kingdom shows. These are like WrestleMania. You think of the the grandeur and the, the the just the pomp and circumstance and the big production. And Liger just came out and hey, you know what? It's Liger. I'm sure again it was he his thing. He didn't want to do anything spectacular, but it's like it's the final match of the career of of Liger. And uh, I know that they banned streamers in in New Japan in J- Japan. A number of years back now for you know x amount of reasons but you know if this is the one time you want to do something whether it be streamers or something just this was the time to do it and it it felt a little low-key slash lackluster for what was you know the, the final match in in this man's career yeah i thought the match last night was a little bit or the previous night was a little bit more fun this is this wasn't bad or anything but yeah it was just a, a decent match yeah, I don't have really much to say about it. It was just a Justin Thunder Liger match. He did some good work with Hiromu, and uh, he ate the pin. He took the pin. Yeah, I really this this felt like a, a thing of passing over whatever flame or legacy that was possible to, to Takahashi for him to be the super junior going forward. Um, I thought it was interesting that Ryu Lee turned up with the Ring of Honor TV title because that was about as much representation of Ring of Honor as yeah. we got on this show. And it was it was cool to see him uh, hold the ropes open for Takahashi to come in. I, yeah. I don't know what that means for you know their rivalry. I'm, I'm sure at some point in the future they'll have another match. Uh, but it was a nice. I was just someone's telling me right now that they're they're doing a match, which is which is weird because you know Ryu Lee came out and he had like. Lij stuff all over him, and, and I, I thought that meant that he was like part of Lij. <laughs> no, no, yeah. See, he's currently in a, maybe it's just a, a different group in, in Ring of Honor. Yeah, he's currently in a stable with Kenny King. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a bit confusing. Yeah, it's him, <laughs> Kenny King, and and Roosh, and um, I I believe on the, the Japanese commentary they were explaining that like no, he's not in Lij, but um. Yeah, I don't think that was explained on the that's, English feed, so... That's confusing. Yeah. So, not oh well. this match was not perfect by any means, and uh, after uh, Liger was giving a speech, which I didn't see because New Japan World crashed for just about everybody, and um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a bad time, and I was watching and enjoying Brian Alvarez throwing a fit about it, but there you go. Oh, did he do it on uh, the, the Flash show after, uh, after the... No, after no, the, just, his, and... just his Twitter. Um, he, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah. after this, we had um, a match that I didn't actually get to see a lot of until about the final five minutes or so. Uh, the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, Rapongi 3K, Shoenyo defeated Bullet Club of El Phantasmo and Tajiri Ishimori in 14 minutes and 8 seconds. I think that. You know, when Rapongi 3K turned up, there was this real kind of energy about them as being the um, the kind of aces of the junior tag division and certainly yeah. show being um, someone to keep an eye on in the future for the junior division as a whole. And I think that's still the case. But, you know, everyone's kind of like, well, you're in your 30s now and you've kind of got this 
J-pop, Korean pop boy band thing going on. And it's just not really doing it for me anymore. Uh, and I think as well yeah. that the fact that this is the third time winning these belts and the last two um, reigns weren't exactly anything to, to shout about. Uh, I think everyone just kind of gave a collective shrug at this result. Yeah, I mean, the match was pretty good. I don't have anything to complain about it. It's, it was like a three and a three-quarter match. Uh, I don't... I mean, the, the action was very good. ELP is very good. He did the Styles Clash, which was interesting. Um, I forget who he gave it to, but I thought that was that was really interesting. I think he's done that a uh, couple of times. Um, I think he has. Yeah. I don't think this is the first time. But... Um, I guess he took that from from AJ, and um, yeah, I mean, Show and Yo have been a, a great team for a number of years, but now it's kind of like reaching this point where I think Show is pretty much ready to go on as a singles. I think he's very excellent, and Yo, Yo isn't bad either. He's, he's really good, and and he he's also really good, but um. I think after this run, it's kind of time for them to go their separate ways. I don't know if that means like one of them turns on one another or whatnot, but um, I think it's kind of time they kind of like phase them down or, or split them up or, or something because it's getting kind of stale. Yeah. Um, I mean, the match overall, like I thought that uh, I, I enjoyed the, the final spots, even though they're you know, full of shenanigans with the cups and everything. I enjoyed it for what it was at least. Um, I guess because Phantasmo's down further down on the card, that his whole hill thing that he does, like it doesn't bother me as much as it does in the main event card. Um, I've enjoyed like Phantasmo and Ishimori, and I really enjoyed the stuff with them and um, Eagles and Osprey. And part of me kind of thinks that they really should have just let these guys run with it and then done the split between Show and Yo after. But again, with the heavyweight tag title division, it's not exactly like they have a lot of tag teams to work with. No. So, uh, you know, I, I guess they'll hold them maybe to to best of the super juniors, but um, it's it's hard to tell what they'll do. But you know, like Show is is ready to become a, a big time star. But it's I think he's going to be the next kind of Kushida babyface ace. Yeah, but with Osprey gone, and well, there's also Ryuji. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got you've got Ryu Lee, and you've got it's a it's a stacked division. Once I think more about it, and then obviously you got Takahashi as well. So it's like, how yes, where, yes. where does he fit in there? You know. Yeah, but I think Show is going to be one of those guys that's going to be like right there. Uh yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, next, the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Title. Um, what is now like the seventh or eighth most important title in New Japan at this point? Yeah. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Sonata in 12 and a half minutes, which I think was a bit of, of a surprise. I, I did think that we'd get the, the clean sweep with LIJ, um, but we ended with Sonata being the only one to not have any gold by the end of the two nights, which maybe that's some storytelling. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed their G1 match in Dallas. Uh, I, I loved... Oh, yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, I, I loved Sonata being there to to match Zach for you know every hold and and Zach acting like a petulant child whenever he couldn't get his way and they you know they did something similar with this match and um it's 
I never think of Zack Sabre Jr. really as a character wrestler, and he's obviously he's not anywhere near to the degree that you get with, like, say, an El Phantasmo, but he has his little things that he does, and uh, I always forget that. And, you know, he was actually one of my favorite promos last year, uh, mainly because he spent a lot of it just decrying all types of offensiveness on the conservative government and uh, (laughs) i'm all for that as you can imagine so oh yeah yeah this was awesome again definitely i I think i preferred the the dallas match but not by much um but this was was kind of similar to that a lot of the quick moving chain wrestling and and again listening to the instant reaction show with uh joe and rich today and and joe kind of was like look i'm not anti-wrestling i'm just anti like grapple fuck boring wrestling whether it be your tim thatchers or whatever and uh, that kind of stuff i can watch live but definitely like watching some of the slower thatcher stuff on tv i i can't do and zach really is that one example of taking that style and putting it in front of a modern audience that doesn't have the attention span and making it click and i think you know he just yeah, he I does it better than saber is excellent at that i haven't watched a ton of, of tim thatcher but uh i i like the technical style as long as it doesn't you know bore me and the, those type of matches can easily get very boring but uh saber i mean he doesn't do the the, the to those kinds of matches where it's it's not as interesting uh all of his matches are, are have great grapple work and, and everything and i really like his matches and and that how he's incorporated that style into a modern pro wrestling match a modern new, new japan match and uh uh I like this match a lot. I don't think it was like excellent or like the match of the of the weekend, but uh, this was pretty pretty damn good. I I, I liked it a lot. Uh, the the near falls near the end were, were really fun. Oh yeah, and watching Tiger Tori try to keep up with them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor bastard. I hope they told him beforehand. Yes. It's like, look, we're gonna have this like thirty second sequence, so just you know, make sure you're nice and limber beforehand. Uh, what did you think of uh, Sable retaining and, and Sonata losing? Because I really was convinced that Sonata would win this. I thought so too. So I was kind of surprised when he didn't. Um, I don't know. Maybe they do a rematch for a new beginning and, and Sonata wins it there and then they do another match down the line. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure where either of them go from here. Um, we'll probably have a better idea tonight at uh, New Year's Dash. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I was fully expecting Sonata to walk out with the with the British title, but he didn't. Yeah, I I wonder with like you know we've had this two three year slow build with Sonata, and uh, he had the new J- new Japan Cup win last year. Uh, he had that series with Okada where. With each loss, there was this kind of like, you know, he's gaining something with, with each loss. And then he had the win over Akada. And I, I don't know what the end goal is with him. I still, you know. I think, I think he'll be up there someday. He connects but with the audience, like, but yes. I, just, I just don't know if he's, you know, main event. I, th- I think he is, but there's so many guys who can be main eventers. He's kind of like in that kind of like area where before you break out and become like a, a big main adventure but there are so many other people there i don't know if he's going to do it anytime soon uh we had next um the united states heavyweight title match was being defended again this time john moxley in his first defense surprisingly 
um, defeating Juice Robinson in 12 minutes 48. And I only say surprisingly in the idea of, you know, how is John Moxley going forward in New Japan, how that relationship was going to be with um, AEW. But then I thought about it and I was like, there's no way they're going to have Juice Robinson be a double champ on the same night that, no. you know, the big thing is Naito yeah. or Okada being the first double champ. Um, and I haven't really considered that until afterwards. So it was kind of a surprise, but uh, in the, the, the grand scheme of things, not really. Um, this was one of the of the kind of big singles matches. This was probably the least memorable of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I think the last few minutes were really great, but um, yeah, this wasn't like a, a really stupendous match or anything. Very much, I feel like the definition of a gentleman's three. You know, just completely solid, yeah. functional. Um, but really, the only memorable thing about this match was Minoru fucking Suzuki turning up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Yerald Dar turning up, challenging John Moxley to a fight, and I was convinced that they were going to go there and then. Um, I know he he came out in the tracksuit and took off his tracksuit and he had his gear on. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. always have your gear on. You're always prepared to go. Yes, and. Uh, you know, Moxley seems like the type of hothead who would put the title up there and then. Um, but we ended up with uh, Moxley taking the Cradle Pile Driver and. Oh, the Gotch Style Pile Driver, sorry. And uh, yeah, I mean, fuck knows when they'll do this match. And the, the US Heavyweight and... title is that weird thing in that, you know, it's only been won by North American wrestlers at this point, if I recall. Yeah. But every now and again, a Japanese wrestler gets a shot, but I. <laughs> I don't know what the, the grounds and the rulings of this division is exactly. I don't really know either. I, I mean, and the biggest thing now is that John Moxley, it's not like he can go and be on these uh, American tours and be and defend the title because I, I really doubt AEW is going to let him. Yeah, which kind of so goes you, against you have... what the whole point of that division yeah. was meant to be. Yeah, he, he's a champion of the United States that can't go and defend the title in one well, yeah, he can't go defend it in the United States. It's it's really weird. Yeah, I I guess we'll see. Like maybe they'll say something tomorrow. Of all the things that would happen with Suzuki this weekend, I did not think we'd be getting the John Moxley match out of it. Um, but no, there you go. Gato still good for a surprise every now and again. Uh, Absolutely, Brian. I'll put you on the spot quickly. Who is the WWE okay. United States Champion? Um, Andrade. I had to think. Yeah, he's still champion, right? Do you know, I thought it was Rey Mysterio. So yeah, you got me there, Sandro. No, I had to, I had to think about it. I had to think about it. Well, I would have been wrong. So like ten seconds. Um, right, never open weight title match. Hiroki Goto, the uh, the man that's been decided now is actually Mister Wrestle Kingdom. When you think about it, over the last seven or eight uh, Wrestle Kingdom shows, yeah. Um, and he continues that streak, defeating Kenta. In 16 minutes, 12 seconds, uh, which I think is his third time of winning the Neverweight title uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So, I think, yeah, one of it's these... It's not the first time he's won the title. He's like, he's like five-time champion. Oh, he's like champion a 12-time champion. Um, yeah. So he wins the big one again. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah, I know, right. Now, excluding everything that happened in the um, post-show events... I was a bit disappointed with Kenta losing. I think that, like Moxley, uh, you look at Kenta a year ago to where he is now, um, it is it's a complete 180, a complete transformation. Um, you know, he's so much more just comfortable in 
this he's just a natural prick that's it that is yes you know some people are just natural pricks and Kendra and he people. wasn't allowed to be that in uh, NXT no, 205 fuck no, live fuck no and no. even if they tried they would have gotten it wrong because you just there's I don't know whether it's like a, a, a language barrier thing or you know I was reading up and listening about the way that Kenta talks and the Japanese language is just it's it is a bit of a um, kind of impolite abrasive language to a certain degree and you know he is just that you know amplified by 10 um, and you match that with his wrestling style and the physicality of what he brings and it's just this man is a hill like there's nothing in certainly in New Japan considering he is you know just Noah through and through it just it makes sense yes. for him to be a hill yeah he's a natural heel <laughs> yeah he is and as for this match i mean it's what you get with the never division it's what you get with goto as as vanilla as goto can be uh when he's in there with someone like a kenta or an ishii or a shibata uh i really enjoy goto honestly he, he he's awesome i i love seeing him have big profile matches like this he's he always delivers but uh He's like you said. He's vanilla. He's there. There's been many times where he probably should have won like a big match and he didn't. And now he's like a guy in chaos. Like he's a guy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like a, a guy who has really great matches. Yeah, and it's kind of like, oh, what? It really feels like this is just a transitional thing. That okay, we're taking the belt off of Kenta because he's gonna go on and feud with Naito, so fuck it, we'll put it on Goto, but um, the bigger thing with that is, you know, so we had the the whole angle with Shibata um, at the Best of the Super Juniors final, um, and then there was, I can't remember what the match was after, but that whole angle very much gave you the idea of an impression that, okay, maybe Shibata's not back yet, but we're going to get something at some point, and... I thought he would at least be cornering um, Goto, and he wasn't there at all. You would have thought that, wouldn't you? Yeah. So It's very strange. I don't know what the, the long term... If there was anything for that other than just, hey, here's a way to get some heat on Kenta. But yeah. I don't know. I just don't know if Shibata was the the, the play to, to be done. I don't know whether it's like Shibata went to Gato and said, hey, I, I'm you know working to be in a position where I might be ready for Wrestle Kingdom, and Gato went for the bet on it, but knew he had uh, goes in the background, but I don't know. I just I, I think I want to know what happened. Something, there. I think it was just designed for Cancer to get major heat, and he got major heat out of that. Oh, he did at one angle when he joined the Bullet Club. Yep. And I think there was another segment or another thing that her guy. I think that led to the Goto match. And yeah, uh, I think it was. Um, did it happen in the match where he won the Neverweight title, or maybe there was a defense? I think so. I think, I think it was something a few months ago. Because, like, in the first match, um, Shibata was doing all the hits on Kenta. Like, I don't think there was no strikes that I remember Shibata taking. But there was definitely yeah. a lot more physicality in the second match. So it was like, okay. The yeah, second it, time it, made, it made you think that there's something there and that he might be doing a match. But, I, I mean, he. I, th- I think he could do some physical stuff, but he just can't do anything to his head because of the. The hematoma, and um, yeah, I I don't know if he'll ever be cleared, and because this was like the segment that the angle to do it, and uh, they didn't do it, and Shibata was nowhere to be found tonight or last night, so I don't know. It was 
weird. I think I think it was just designed for Kenta to get major heat, and he got major heat out, out of doing that, uh, out of the Bullet Club angle and the the later angle. Yeah, uh, I went four stars on this. Uh, I went four and a quarter because I really liked the last stretch of this match. A very intense uh, spinning back fists, intense slap battle, and uh, that that led to a DG, the GTR, and that was it. And uh, yeah, that that last those last few moments, the last few minutes, were really great. Yeah, just really that, awesome. that real kind of nasty physicality that you'd expect from these two. Um, yeah. Absolutely, and yeah, Goto, um, Goto is the neverweight champion, which I'm sure he'll hold till oh, I don't know, February maybe, but we'll see what yeah. happens. Um, the big announcement. So we got our announcement for a whole bunch of matches uh, of shows and schedule for about up till October, and they announced that the G1 will be moved to October because obviously uh, Tokyo is hosting the 2020. Olympic Games this year. Um, yes. I don't think this really comes as a surprise. Uh, I, I don't know if there's. A- I was I was kind of surprised. I was kind of feeling like they'd be doing the the finals here in the United States. The finals and in the they, United States. That is. I, I, I was I was thinking yeah. that. I, I was thinking they could have done that, uh, but they did not. Somewhere they, in your backyard, but, perhaps you know, Cow Palace or something. Oh, well, Cow Palace is in my backyard. Uh, it's more. It would be more like the. Um, Somewhere in LA. Hey, look, I I, I'm English, right? I don't know the geography of California. I know. It's all the you same. Know, California to me. is completely giant, <laughs> completely yeah, huge uh, state. But yeah, um, I would have liked it to be here in, in LA. That would have been cool. But uh, or the Walter Pyramid, that too. But uh, well, I think it would actually be bigger. I think they, I think if they were to do a G1 finals, they would do something big, like maybe the Staples Center. I think I think they could have sold out the Staples Center. With that G1 finals. What, is, what does but, the Staples hold? Like 17,000, uh, 18,000? Somewhere around there. I, I, I think 20, but I think a little bit under that. Okay, well, so this is going to be interesting. Um, and, and I imagine closer to the time we'll get like the full announcement of the schedule for the G1. But uh, you look at the the Dallas show. Um, that did somewhere in the range of about four to 5,000. And that arena, and I've been in that arena um for a raw that holds again i think it's one of those like basketball arenas that holds about seventeen thousand or so and i'd be curious to see if they get cold feet in terms of because you know they've not booked anything to that size since it's all been two three thousand type uh, venues um it's g1 final so i can definitely see you know really making a bold play for it but uh but the staples staples center is is a bold prediction to make my friend Oh yeah, I, I couldn't see them doing anything else in the Sable Center at all. But I think for the G1 Finals, I think maybe. Anything else, no. I mean, they, I mean, they would. I think what they're doing now is probably the the best they can do if they're going to be touring a lot in 2020. Uh, but if you do something really, really special, I think there's a chance they could. I, I think it's worth trying if you do the G1 Finals. I I don't think anything else would would work the only disappointment disappointment for me uh so far maybe we'll hear something in the the future is uh no follow-up royal quest show um now that surprised me yeah now i wasn't at the first one 
because um, you know, I live in Ireland, but but by all accounts, I mean the the show was great and it had a great turnout, and the Copper Box is surprisingly a really good venue for, for wrestling. Um, I was there at the um, London Olympics for like a fucking handball game, I think, um, but it turned out to be pretty good for for wrestling. So I'm a little bit surprised, a little bit disappointed. Um, maybe you know they'll they'll announce something later in the year. Um, but that that for me was the one big surprise. And it's pretty surprising because, it, by all indications, it seems like 2020 is going to be a big year for New Japan internationally. And them not announcing like any dates is is really surprising. Yeah, I I guess like the only thing I can think is that they're not in any rush. You know, if they announce the because they didn't announce Royal Quest, did no. I'm trying to remember, I don't think they announced Royal I... Quest in January last year. I think it was later. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that they could announce it three months in advance and be fine. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so singles match, the uh, third place position, um, the most prestigious of um, tournament positions to be won. Um, <laughs> England couldn't even manage it in the last World Cup, but anyway, Jay White <laughs> defeated Kota Ibushi in just under 25 minutes. Um, now this was never, you know, officially declared as a, a number one contendership match, but you would have definitely would have thought that Jay White or um, whoever won this would be next in line. Doesn't seem to be the case. This was at least more enjoyable and more lively, um, just by definition or just by Kurobushi being insane and dropping himself in his head on spots that really no other man would do. Um, it still ran into the issue of being a Jay White match and having all of the tropes, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't like the finish here. The finish wasn't that. It was just too much. Didn't do anything for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I get why Jay is a heel, but yeah, I it didn't do anything for me. I I like that they, and again, this will probably play into the rest of the year with the whole Abushi stuff as he went into that. Um, and I'm going to keep calling it the the MDK mode of just wanting to fucking murder Jay White. And, you know, I really look forward to seeing how they play that up. But, yeah, it just the end of this match was just a bit excessive. And I guess maybe the thinking is that, well, we have to beat Abushi twice and he really gets the raw deal out of this. And, you know, other than some... The, the one thing that they did with Abushi attacking Akada, he really has come across as, like, the weakest... Um, G1 champion in in a num good number of yeah, years. Yeah, I I didn't like him losing two nights in, in a row, but somebody was going to have to do that to do that, and I guess they didn't want not, obviously not Naito because he ended up with both belts and and Arokara. so uh, and they they're protecting Jay White from what I see, so uh, I guess it was. It had to be a bushy. Eh, I guess somebody was going to have to lose, but yeah, I mean, I do no, think no, I, I didn't like. I don't like him losing. Both I, I do think that Abushi is is a bit. He is a bit Teflon. Like I, I think you would have to yeah. really put the boots to him for him to feel in any way like he's down the card. Um, he just he has that kind of thing about him where he's always over regardless of his push. Um, so yeah. I, I do think that the 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 lengths that they went to to protect him was a bit excessive, and, and it it made the match less because of it. Um, so yeah, I just want to hope he's, I just hope he's okay. Cause 
you know, the the top rope Urinagi looked fucking nasty. Oh yeah, that um, was a bad one. <laughs> and yeah, he just overall he took some nasty shots this weekend. So uh, I guess the the only question is, yeah, what do we do going forward with these two? Because it looks like Jay White isn't going to be the next challenger. Um, so yeah, you know, which kind of surprised me. Let's say like um, new beginnings next month. What are, what are these two doing? I don't know. They might end up doing a rematch. They could always do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get some ideas tonight at New Year's Dash. But uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think maybe a Bushi might be a, a strong contender for New Japan Cup to kind of like redeem himself a little bit. But um, I don't know. I don't know what either of them would, would do next. It's, it's kind of up in the air. I, th- I think we'll get a better indication tonight. I think the the big thing coming out of tonight um, that has me intrigued is what Chris Jericho does next because uh, he's been against all of the you know the big people of of New Japan and uh... I think he'll at least tease something. I don't, I don't know. I could I could see him already coming back um, to the US, but uh, yeah, the thing that makes Jericho might do something. The thing that makes Jericho complicated is obviously he is the AEW champion, um, and we'll yes. we'll transition into that. Uh, singles match, f- just nothing on the line. Well, there was nothing on the line until Tanahashi uh, made a few comments and then led to Chris Jericho saying and challenging Tanahashi that if he could pin him, he would give him a shot at the AEW Championship, which meant that this was the first time, you know, officially, as far as I'm aware, that AEW was recognized within the universe of New Japan, which is interesting for a number of reasons because that relationship has. <laughs> you know, not really existed. Um, Jericho has had his own date, he's been able to do his own thing. Moxley yeah. has had his own date, he's been able to do his own thing. But um, but they are the 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 painmaker and the Le Champion are two very different characters. And yeah, definitely. Moxley's kind of the same, but he has different music, and he, the name of his finisher is different depending on which part of the uh, planet he's on. Um. I fucking love the intro video for this. I thought Tanahashi doing the whole rock star thing um, and singing and as the pain maker was uh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was very clever. Um, I actually don't know if the man can actually play guitar or not, but you know he looks like a rock star, so who am I to, to question him? I thought that the, the stipulation gimmick was kind of not <clears throat> not necessary, but it was kind of like, well, this match is happening, and obviously, yeah, it's too... It got a lot of intrigue. Yeah, and it's, you know, two once-in-a-lifetime generation type uh, superstars, but it's just a singles match that's happening. Um, so the the stipulation really did help and added intrigue and definitely kind of made you think that, hey, yeah, Tanahashi could win this. We mentioned it earlier, we didn't get Judas. Now, I turned the fucking corner on this song like six months ago because the damn thing was hammered into my head. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> how? How was this thing not on this show? I I just don't know. I have no idea, because he's used it in the past in previous New Japan shows, and there hasn't been a problem. And I guess this weekend New Japan just didn't bother paying rights for anything, and that's that's why we got this, which wasn't great at all. It's actually pretty annoying. <laughs> Um, I saw some jabs at Jericho about his physical appearance, and now, you know, he's been looking like this for a, a while now, but 
Um, yeah. I don't know if the the weight training belt is a new um, gimmick or not. I can't remember because I'm pretty sure he was using Cody's weight belt in their um, title match. But he is starting yeah. to resemble Tomohiro Ishii a little bit in terms of like just just getting a little bit round, you know, and the edges and stuff. And I don't think a the belt helps him. A little bit. I think he he looked a lot better when um he sl- he he looked he looked a lot better when he became AEW champion. Um uh, here uh I mean he's like almost 50. Yeah. So I, I he's he looks fine for you know a guy that age but And in fairness he's cardio. Oh uh, yeah, I I can see it. He's his cardio is still incredible. Um Yeah, yeah. He 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 was great in this match i I thought this was like an excellent match yeah i i was concerned that um kind of like the the moxley archer match the night before i was concerned that this would get a little bit too brawly and in the stands and stuff and uh tanahashi is the kind of guy where you just you don't need to do that the man's too clever and he's too good at this way it wouldn't be necessary um we got the one ddt the ddt spot on the table which looks really nasty and oh that was a nasty one definitely i'm not sure about tanahashi taking those types of bumps at this point no. Um, but this thing was just, you know, just a match where you have two wrestlers who are just two of the all-time greats going in there and giving you just an easy four to four and a quarter star match. Actually, I think I went four and a half. I'm going... uh, let me see what I put. I put... I went four and a quarter. It was four. Um, four and a quarter, yeah. But just for... Tanahashi, who is as broken down as he is at this point, which, you know, depending on what time of the year it is, changes. Um, but Jericho you know, is 49 and, and has wrestled probably his hardest schedule he has in a couple of years. Um, oh, yeah. Give or take. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, this is just a, just a solid, excellent professional wrestling match that um, highlights just the, the way that these two can put a match together. And, uh, and Tanahashi yeah, taps a- at the end. Yeah, that was surprising. I, I mean, when they put in the AEW title stipulation, I, I was pretty sure that, that Jericho was going to win. But I am surprised that um, Tanahashi submitted. So I don't know what you do with that, but uh, that was pretty surprising. But yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a match where both of these guys are known for putting on great matches and, and telling really good stories and building really good matches and everything. And they went out there and they had a really well done, perfectly told match. And uh, I, I mean, the crowd was so into this. It was really hot. And uh, yeah, this was like a, a really excellent match. And yeah, just Jericho continues to be uh, on a hell of a run in, in New Japan. Um... Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho is somebody who has done such an excellent job over the, the, the years evolving his character and going in completely new directions. And I mean, uh, the Painmaker, like, like you said, is, is distinctly different from, uh, from, uh, Le Champion. And, uh, I mean, I, I give him all the credit in the world for constantly evolving himself and being such a, a very unique and, and charismatic guy. He's he's really smart. He really knows what to do. And honestly, that fucking painmaker gimmick should not work. Like I should be looking at that no. and just <laughs> thinking, what? I mean, you you look at the makeup and you think, what the hell? But but, but, but I mean, it works. Yeah, I I don't know how he does it. He truly is. He, he makes things work. He he truly he is the does. goat. Yeah. Um, 
and that top rope code breaker uh that spot was awesome just yeah just yeah just a really good match like i could easily go back and watch this and again this was 22 minutes and it it one of the shorter matches out of the the singles matches um but you know just didn't outstay its welcome and yeah, no. uh, just tanahashi's great jericho's great it's just a great match that's a perfect match, or a perfect twenty-minute match, and not every match, not every big profile match, needs to go thirty plus. I think that was a, a true indicator here. Yeah, I, I think the two names uh, I read Sank this morning about Jericho and what he'd like to do next, and two names he mentioned were Abushi and Will Osprey, and oh, those would be good matches. I don't know how you get to them, and I don't know how they work around the AEW title thing um because you know it's been mentioned once once so you can't really put it away now back in on the shelf um but you know of the people that i can think of i mean osprey can just bump around jericho and uh and abushi can just land on his own head so i yeah (laughs) I, i think you can do a good match with those two yeah definitely so finally the last match of the weekend um for all the gold the IWGP Heavyweight title and the Intercontinental title. Tetsuya Naito finally defeats Kazuchika Okada at the Dome. 35 minutes, 37 seconds. This thing, um, so for me, up until this point, my favorite match between these two was still their, I think, I don't know if it was their uh, initial meeting, but it was the first or second defense Okada had when he won the belt for the first time. Um, oh yeah, and it was right. Yeah, I remember that. It was right slap bang at the start of me watching New Japan, because um, I I think yeah. I started a couple of months just before the uh, Wrestle Kingdom that year, so 2012, I believe. I think that the first one for me was pretty close to the one where Okada returned after uh, the TNA excursion and won the title like a month later. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, Naito somewhere in that period he had over the first or second defense. And I immediately was just like, okay, well, you know, Okada is is awesome. You know, everyone was like, ah, oh, what the fuck is he doing as the champion? But you know, just right there and then, I was like, no, this this guy is legit. And and Naito, I'd remembered briefly with his whole no limit thing in TNA with Yujihiro Takahashi. Yeah. And um, he just. I remember I remember them getting laid out by Kevin Nash. Yes. Yes. Tells you the story of New Japan and TNA. Yeah, for both of those guys, unfortunately. Um, but he just yeah. exploded with his charisma and the way that he moved. And yeah, uh, those two quickly became two of my favorites. Over the years afterwards, I wouldn't say that any of their matches disappointed me, but definitely I never felt that they were as good. Uh, and I don't know whether part of it was just the expectation build up and certainly the, the Dome match two years ago. Uh, I think just about every person going in thought that Naito was going to win. And then obviously the the dome match before that, which led to the transition of of uh, Naito into the character that he is now. Um, I I think that this match for me, this is the best match um, these two have had. I think so too. I can't think of any other match where I thought that it was as good as this one. So I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that this is probably the best match that uh, they, that they have that they've had together. Uh, and part of it is the fact that there was leg work in this match that actually contributed to uh, yes, the that parts of the match. Played into, <laughs> that, that played into the finish, yes. Yeah, I don't know if that's on NATO remembering or what the case was, but, um, it, you know, again, it plays a lot like the, the typical types of uh, Akada matches you get, but um, 
Naito's that weird one, right? Because he... When he's good, he's one of the best in the world. And when he can't be bothered, he is pretty insufferable to, to deal with. Uh, to, yes. to watch. Um, but like his stunt show series with Ibushi last year, just... <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, that that was insane. Yeah, that, that's completely insane. That man was just wrestling with reckless abandon. But here, I mean, we had the top rope Rana spot. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that was like overly dangerous um, that I remember. Um, but it was just the 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 escalation, and again, it's what Okada does in building up a match, and both sides are getting their equal amounts of offense and the the escalation of everything. Um, and, you know, it just led up to that point. You had the running Destino. Um, that's where a lot of the match kind of switched into the next gear. And then you finally yeah. you had that moment where he goes for the Stardust press, playing off of the last match, uh, and he hits it this time, but he still only gets, like, the two count. And that was kind of like the, oh, fuck, that's it. You know, he's hit his big move. But he finally manages to, you know, he spits again in defiance of Okada. He finally hits the Destino. And he finally wins, and I just, you know, it, this was a five star match for me. I, I thought this yeah, was incredible. It is same here. It, this is like an incredible match. I think it really picked up for me when they started uh, doing this big strike exchange, and the crowd. I mean, it's like three thousand people in there. You could just hear the echo of people reacting to each and every shot, and I'm like, wow, this is tremendous. <laughs> Like it really is tremendous. I, I mean, I, that, that this is like one of the matches where the crowd played a big part of it. I, I, I think, and you know, just hearing them echo and and reacting to everything, they were white hot for everything too, and that played a big part for, in me. For I mean, just this was awesome. It's just incredible. Yeah, and even with ten thousand people less in the arena, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you could tell the difference in terms of the noise. Um, nope. I guess the the one thing um, to discuss, and not so much about the match itself, but them doing this, and we spoke earlier about the the whole thing with the attendance. Do you think this was the right time to do this match? Do you think they should have held this match off? Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's part of me that thinks that, fuck, they could do this match again next year if they wanted to, and they kind of alluded to that at I the end. I think they can. I think it would be perfectly fine if they did this match again next year. I think they, they might do it sooner. I, maybe they could do it at Dominion or something, maybe like a rematch. Or, or, or I think that that's what's going to be eventually because eventually Okada is going to get that the, the another shot at the title. So, so um, yeah, they could probably do it at Dominion. They could hold it off till next year. I, I don't know. I, I think – so this is going to be an interesting year for Okada because I don't think we're going to get the, the sad Okada with his long boys – uh, walking around with balloons. Yeah. I hope we don't get that Okada again. Um, the thing... With the Scooby-Doo elbow? Yeah, I know. Right? For sake. <laughs> but, like... If he... If he faces Naito at Dominion, that means he has to win the New Japan Cup. And if he wrestles Naito yeah. at um, the Dome next year, that means he has to win the G1. And for me, you know, no, I don't have no... I have no fatigue with Okada. Um, if he was to wrestle every title match for the next 12 months, I couldn't care. If he'd won this match, I w wouldn't have minded. Um, you know, I just, I do not get tired of watching his matches, but it is just going to be, okay, well, what do we do with him now? He's away from the title picture and please, dear God, don't let him be walking around with balloons again. And that's the thing. I know. <laughs> I just, I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah. I have no idea what they're going to do either. So. 
I agree again. It just kind of sounds like a broken record because we're talking before it happens, but I think we'll see a lot of stuff happen tonight at a New Year's Dash. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. And this I think, is usually I think they the need show to... where, where, where they kick off 2000, uh, whatever, well, 2020 this year. If I remember, I think last year's one wasn't particularly eventful. Um, that, that was the one that, that wasn't eventful. Yeah, so I do think inter- that... Interesting. Yeah, I think this year they really need to, to hit home run and get some angles going. Especially since they're in a bigger arena. This is the first time they, they've moved out of, uh, what, what was it before, Kirk and Hall? It was Hall, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. I completely forgot about that. That's actually a really good point as well. Where are they running? Um, Odo Ward Gymnasium, I think. Okay. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I I, need, I would need to double check. All right. I, but it, it is significantly bigger. Maybe some fucking sleazy Japanese indie is running like the 300th show in Corican on tonight. <laughs> Maybe. Um, see, Maybe. we we ended. Um, there was that really cool moment. Uh, Naito basically said to Okada, "Hey, you know, maybe we'll do this at the Dome again." And um, Akada raised his fist in the air, doing the Lij pose. I thought that yeah, was, that was that was that was a cool. Moment. That was a fucking awesome moment. And uh, you know, we start to get a speech from Naito, and then who comes out but Kenta, the bastard himself? Yep. Um, now I saw a bunch of people pissing and moaning about, oh my god, they just couldn't give Naito his moment, and oh, you know, we we talk about. Um, wwe constantly just trying to get heat 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 how is this any difference and i was like okay well there's one thing where you've got baron corbin getting heat on roman reigns for 10 weeks this is the the first angle right and yeah you know you need to get your challenger set up for for the next title match yeah i think you make a good point there and um i I, I was just gonna say like we we've seen over the years that they've used because if you think about wrestlemania you don't usually have anyone at the end of the night wrestlemania coming out to challenge um whoever wins and we've seen over the years uh, and i use okada as the example who came out after the tanahashi match against suzuki and challenged him and we all thought that was hilarious at the time with his bad dye hair job and everything so it's not you know unprecedented to get a challenger set up after the wrestle kingdom uh i just don't think we've ever seen it in the way that they did this time uh and you know in terms of setting that opening angle up and and in terms of uh kenta and and him probably being the the biggest heel in the company at the moment i was absolutely fine with this whole execution yeah uh i mean i i was i thought i was fine too um i just thought it was weird that they did it here at the tokyo dome they normally they normally don't do that they normally don't set up stuff like that at at Wrestle Kingdom. They usually wait until the next night to do it. So, uh, but I guess you have to do it in front of a big audience in order to build to to the next show and build momentum and put it in front of as many people as possible. So I, I think in that sense it's fine. As in terms of heat, um, yeah, I, I mean this is the first shot. This is the first angle that they've done. So that's fine. I, I don't have anything really uh against that i i think if uh kenta beats him up for the next 10 weeks and they aren't because uh the new beginning is on uh what is it february something february 9th actually they have it made well no because tomorrow is a or yeah new year's dash is tonight and then it takes a few weeks off for um for the fantastic mania tour so yeah i mean they can't build this up for like six weeks but um yeah i i mean i think i think new japan handles those kind of angles and feuds way better than 
and WWE and their constant need for heat. So I, I don't really have any qualms about it. I'm not worried about it. I think it's it, it was a good angle. You, you need to get heat on Kenta, and then they got they sure as hell got heat on Kenta. And I think the only other thing as well is uh, I'd imagine that Naito will be in some three, four, five man tag tonight. And yeah. I don't think you have the room, the space for for Kenta to, you know, realistically get the, the cheap shot in before anyone else turns up. So, I don't know, yeah. I, I can see to some degree why some people, you know, certainly the Naito fans just want to have that moment. Um, yeah. But I just I just don't think Naito is that kind of character who's going to get that sort of thing. But look, your man's the first fucking double champ in New Japan history. So, if, if you're a Naito fan, you've done all right out tonight. So, um but uh, yeah, yeah, I I I very much enjoyed the 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 visual of Kenta sitting cross legged on Naito. I laughed and I yeah, laughed that was a good visual. <laughs> that was a great visual. So uh, yeah, so that we have come to the end of our recap of uh, both nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Brian, I guess I'll just get like an, an overall kind of opinion and feeling on on these two nights. Uh, first show was way stronger than the second. Um, I think it's because of the two matches being uh, so excellent, and the main event of the of the second night was excellent too. But um, for whatever reason, I just feel like the first show had bigger buzz, had a hotter crowd. Um, you, you know, there's just something about January fourth that people know and they know when to watch, and I, I just felt there was a bigger buzz for that show than the second show, which was. Also a really good show. I don't have any complaints about it. There, there, actually, there's like zero complaints. But um, just not as buzzworthy as, as the, the first show. Even though like the, the big uh, title match was taking place on, on the second show. And there's Jericho and there's everything. But uh, no, this is still... Both cards were excellent. I don't have any complaints about either one. And um, I don't know if they'll do this next year. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if they'll do it. The, the, and again, I, I mentioned it earlier that there was no Wrestle Kingdom 15 announcement, which is also strange. But uh, we'll see. I mean, if they do it next year, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think getting in uh, an additional 30,000 people for night two was... Uh, I, I think that was their goal, to get more people in and, and to get generate more revenue. Because that's what they've done for every other big show that they've done uh, previously. Except for Dominion. I think that's the one show that hasn't gone multiple dates and maybe there's a few others but uh but no i i mean this was a good move this was two great cards i don't have uh any complaints and uh i you know wrestle kingdom is always one of the best shows uh of the year and uh i think it's gonna be tough to top either one of these cards because both of them were just so great i i don't think um I don't think that we'll get a double show next year. Uh, January 4th and 5th falls on a Monday and a Tuesday. And Oh, yeah. Uh, that might not be a good move. Yeah, I, I really think that this was a combination of just trying their luck with doing a double show because of how much the company has grown over the past 10 years. But definitely just the fact that, the fact that they had the weekend to play with. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, maybe if the next time um, January fourth falls on a Sunday, or like one of the days falls on like Saturday and Sunday, or, you know, on Friday and Saturday, maybe maybe they'll attempt it. But I definitely don't think we'll be seeing it next year, or at least for a good few years. Um, for me, I actually think I did enjoy the second night more. Uh, I think that the first night topped out with um, the 
Okada Ibushi match and Osprey and Hiromu but I think that the kind of overall consistency of the second night just made it a little bit more of an enjoyable show but you know definitely there was the, the energy with that first night and everyone was on Twitter and it was uh, both nights were very enjoyable um, I yeah. think that you got the kind of pacing that you was expecting with the way that the cards were structured um, and though I do still think that they could have removed some of those eight-man tags and just done something a little bit more substantial. Not everyone can get on the cards, I'm sorry. That's just the way it has to be sometimes. Um, I, I still... I can't complain, you know. These were two very, very good shows. Yes, they're, they're both excellent. Uh, just I, I just thought for the first night was a little bit more excellent. Yeah, and I can't argue because I, I would say that of the weekend's... Um, Ibushi uh, Akada was was my match of the weekend. What about you? Yeah. I think it's Will and Hiromu. I, I mean, all three of those matches. Uh, I, I'm talking about the two main events too. Uh, all those three of them were were incredible, and I I love all of them. But there's just something about the Will and Hiromu match that made me like freaking uh, <laughs> flip out. So I I mean, in terms of like just intensity and, and and just incredible spots i have to go with that one yeah it'll be interesting to see you know there's a good chance that <laughs> this time next year when we're looking at um match of the year contenders there's there's about four matches here that could all appear in the top yeah. 10 yeah. So, at least four <laughs> yeah, that's the joys of two nights of the wrestle kingdom brian yes. so before we leave uh, if you have anything that you want to plug anything you need to link please this is the time to do so oh um well follow me on twitter at br26 and uh, I am normally there giving my takes and on video games, wrestling, whatever, whatever's on my mind. Um, and of course, I, I do editing for a Wrestling Observer. Uh, be sure to visit our YouTube page, uh, video.f4wonline.com. We we recently got uh, taken down for some reason. I, I have no idea why. And now uh, I think everybody has to go and resubscribe. So if, if you've subscribed there or if you are subscribing there. Uh, you'll probably need to redo it again, so go ahead and, and go back on there. There's a, always a ton of content. Um, we're always doing stuff. It's 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 it's, it's a very good time to to be witness to digest content right now, uh, given so much wrestling just everywhere. So we're always doing stuff. So so go ahead and uh, and subscribe to uh to our site. It, it's uh, it's awesome. Good people. Yeah. As a subscriber, I can confirm all of the above to be true. And uh, for here, uh, we have recently dropped our two parts, hopefully the third part by the time this goes up, of our Game of the Year for 2019. Um, Three, two to three hour shows, so a lot of content there. Um, All of the hot takes between myself, Jack, Dave, and friend of the show, Barry. Um, So please make sure you go and listen to those to hear about our okayest Game of the Year and the best boy. Uh, Yamper for the win mm. there. Um, we, yeah, yeah Yamper's awesome. <laughs> we, mm. We've got a lot of content um, that we plan to get through this year. We've got some ideas. We're going to potentially be changing things up a little bit, but we will uh, make sure that everyone knows about that before any of that happens. Um, please give us a follow on Twitter at Link to the Cast. And um, yeah, we, we hope to have a very good and productive 2020. Um, Brian, this is one of my favorite shows that I do. Um, this was my favorite, one of my favorite shows I did last year. And, uh, I hope that this continues to be a yearly tradition for us too. I, I would love to do it. I, I'm, 
it's yeah, I, I love doing these shows, so I'm always happy to come back on it and, and talk. So, yeah, I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, it's always fun being here, talking with people. Being, talking to people, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. Why can't we just talk and not scream and shout each, at each other into the abyss? Uh, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's something different. Definitely. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, until next time, God knows when we'll do the next grab up, maybe before Mania. Who knows? We'll see. We'll plan that in the near future. Uh, thank you to everyone for, for listening. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for our next show in the future. <laughs>